This is movies, a podcast about the actors. I'm a Japanese ghost tonight. I don't know if you guys can, can tell. Uh, we got Hans back on the show. We got Spencer with us. We're going to be talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, there's so much good conversation that happens right before I hit the record button. And then it's just a little stilted because I got to do the intro. And then Hans doesn't know what to say when I pass it over to him. Then we introduce the guest. We get into everything. But Hans was just about to let us know. He was watching Texas Chainsaw. And I saw you watch Leatherface, too. The, uh, not the one with Stephen Dorff. But no, that, from, I think that is the one with Stephen Dorff. There's one uh, from the early 90s called Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw 3. Three. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. That okay, has so Vigo and Morton just Leatherface. Right, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's the origin um, story. God, this, yeah, 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 this yeah. whole series is a fucking mess. <laughs> so I decided to take a, a trip through a memory lane and rewatch everything. Sure, uh, hold on, Hans. Your, your audio sounds really rough right now. Uh, Spencer, oh, are you picking that up too? Yeah, you sound like you got kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> are you doing something different? Are you on your your earbuds Hello? that have the microphone? Yep, you're great now. Is that better? Yeah, you're very clean now. All right, so all right, sorry about that. Yeah, uh, so I decided to take a trip uh, through memory lane and rewatched every single Texas Chainsaw movie. Uh, on, the only one that I didn't have time to watch was. Uh, the recent Leatherface, which was before the one before Texas Chainsaw 3D. No, after uh, 2016, yeah. I think. I think that's the newest reboot. That's the Dorf one. Right. Right, yeah, which, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's insane. <laughs> I I didn't rewatch the original or the second one because I had seen them recently, but I just went through the rest in order. And, uh, oh, boy. <laughs> what a, just a bunch of... Now, wow. aside, aside from maybe like Hellraiser or uh, what was it, a Puppet Master, would you say that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series is probably the roughest watch if you're going to do an entire series run? It's probably the most inconsistent for sure It because it's so all over the place. There doesn't yeah. really seem it's to like be they... a, a single linear uh, chronology even going from one to two, because the family has changed up and there's not really, I don't think there's an explanation as to why Chop Top is just suddenly a family member, right? Or is he in Vietnam uh, or something? No, it was purely uh, from what I had always heard of it. Uh, Toby Hooper didn't want anything to do with a sequel initially. It was like a throwaway idea him and was it Kim Henkel had. And uh he he didn't really want to do a sequel, didn't want to do the same thing again, and it was like a big troll for him. That's why like it's got the the Breakfast Club advertisements and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing was like a huge joke to him, and he was like, I want to make a, a horror John Hughes movie, I think is what he set out to do with the, the second one. But it was essentially like, a, oh, they're going to give me money to do it. I'm going to make another Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie in name, but they just did whatever the hell they wanted with it that, that time. And from there, like he, the only thing that seems consistent is that he didn't want to redo the original one again. Like he didn't want to go back to that. Well, and from then on out, it's just been all over the place. It's weird that Michael Bay is the only one who's like tonally hit anywhere near the original yeah, and he like yeah. nails it. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, honestly, so I, I mean, just... it, 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 it's really it, off the top of my head. I know Texas Chainsaw 
too has its fans and i was a big fan of it for a long time i revisited it mm-hmm. somewhat recently it did not have the same charm to me it was kind of a slog to be honest with you. even though it had dennis hopper as the lead i always was fond of it but for whatever reason on this yeah. last viewing i had of it because i think we were we did texas chainsaw one and two with jake um mm-hmm. a while back around halloween i want to say hans and it was just not the movie I, I enjoyed when I was 15 or so. But yeah, if you take a look at a lot of these films, that remake that Michael Bay produced in 2003, that Marcus Nispel, who is a music video director, um, had done, is maybe the most watchable behind that original film. And it doesn't feel like a music video director did it. Like you'd expect like all these fast cuts and stuff like that. Like he lets... There's a couple of like shots and scenes where I think like, oh man, if he just let this like breathe a little bit longer, it would have paid off so much more. And then like the, I don't know if you remember like the last 10 minutes of that one, but it goes fucking off yeah. the deep end. Uh, I, I actually rewatched like as many of them as I could uh, before this new one came out. And uh, I like completely forgot Jessica Biel fucking hacks his arm off in like the last five minutes of the movie and then just like goes back for the baby i was like oh shit man there's so much this movie i forgot about and he like tried to stick to the tone of the original and then still do like a little bit more with it and have fun with it and like it's obviously like it was in that time where reboots were almost a one-to-one recreation but he still kind of does his own thing with it. And like the ending almost comes completely out of left field. Uh, they even like subvert the the whole expectation with the trucker and everything. But right, yeah. that, that is the only one I recommend to people if they're looking for something that's like the original, because everything else is yeah. all over the place. Even have you guys seen the, the prequel that precedes that Texas chainsaw uh, film? Cause I, I feel like I might've watched half of it and I was like, this is not the same at all. This this is this is a big down. Is that the Saw's family one? The Saw's no 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 no. It's just called Texas Chainsaw the Beginning. Yeah, I think that's the Saw's family one. It has like one of the best ads for a Texas Chainsaw movie ever, and it's like the worst movie. Hmm. There's literally an ad for it where it's just the chainsaw like rising up out of a lake and it's like it looks like a heavy metal video, like it's oh, wow. so eighties and it's amazing. And I think it flies up into the air and uh Leatherface catches it. And it might even get struck with lightning. Like I haven't seen it in a really long time, but it's a fucking insane commercial. And uh That one that one was really weird because I feel like it they focused more on the family than Leatherface, and Leatherface is just like a character they just throw in because mm-hmm. everyone else becomes such a caricature villain that uh leatherface just pops up for a couple of things but he's not even like the most ruthless or or the one that is the the creepiest i guess uh the 2003 one i feel like it's the only one that knows exactly what it is uh every other one of them is like trying to do something that is not really what goes with texas chainsaw so it ends up being either a generic horror movie of whatever time it's set in uh or whenever it came out uh, because that's another thing that I noticed. Uh, I feel uh, whenever these movies come out, uh, I feel like they represent kind of the the time when they came out. So you have the seventies, oh, yeah. where that one is very raw, very dirty, very uh, you know seventies film. It's uh, an angry movie, the, right? Right? Yeah, like very, very not not uh, establishment. Like we don't have money, so we're just going to to make a, a raw 
uh, whatever we can do with, with the people that we have available. Then you have the 80s one that that is, uh, like you said, like a, it feels like a parody, which was very popular around that time with, uh, you know, the airplane movies, uh, Mel Brooks and, and all of that. And, and so that's very 80s. Then in the 90s, you have the third one and you have uh, Next Generation, which is the McConaughey one. Uh, and and those two are okay. So the third one is very um, '90s made-for-TV movie. It looks very cheap. You don't see any of any death. Everything is off-screen. There's no blood. There's nothing well, like that. Did and, you watch the no. director's cut of that? Because there are two versions of that movie. They they were forced to cut it up a little bit for theaters in order to get that R rating. Oh, I don't know. I might have seen that one because I saw uh, no blood at all. Yeah, I didn't see any blood or any violence, really. There's a wilder version, because that one's almost like a... It f- almost is like a forgotten 80s movie. It's like a cocaine come down. It's still got, like, the, like, 80s excess and over-the-top aspects, but they also, like, every one of them always has a little bit where they're trying to still do the, like, this could be any town, like, near right. you, like, any small town. And it's like, no, the second movie is fucking crazy like i don't think any small town is having like dual chainsaw fights and shit like that uh but like i love that movie and that's one of those movies when uh people are like hey what's a what's a movie that feels like a comic book movie that isn't actually a comic book i'm like that's a movie that feels like a comic book movie like uh it 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 just it feels like it almost doesn't work as a movie and uh, that's the problem with a lot of comic book movies to me. But I still like I love those first three for like their their own different reasons. But not there's never been like a consistent through line with them. And then the the remakes are almost like one upping that being insane and all over the place. I don't know if any of you guys saw the what is it the Matt Bomber follow up to the 2003 yeah. one. I think it's like 2006. Uh, that yeah. one is incredibly bad. It feels like a, just like a license retainer movie where it was like, oh, we're going to lose Leatherface if we don't make a movie in the next like three months. Yeah. And that's the it, beginning one. Yes. Yeah. That, that's what I was referring yeah. to. Oh, that's what that, it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, there, so there's another, I think it, it's called, uh, there's one that's like the Saw's family is all the advertising for it, but I've been, I've been in a fucking hole of, Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. I can't remember the name of it now. Was that uh, just uh, the the Next Generation? Is that the third one? Hang on. The, that, was, that was the one with McConaughey now. and Zellweger. They, that was no, kind of like a soft yeah, reboot sequel. I, I don't yeah. think it's that one. So this one is almost like a origin story for the Chainsaw. Uh, I have what? never heard of this. I don't, I don't think I'm <laughs> no. familiar with this. Are you sure this isn't one, like a one like is. a one shot graphic Fans novel something. or something? No, I promise or... you, I'll find I'll find the commercial too. Uh... You know, there's okay, um, but... th- there's a lost Chop Top spinoff. Everybody was... watching this is gonna be like, "God damn you!" Uh, why I can't remember what the name of this one is. Hans, do you want to pull up real quick? I think there's a trailer to this. They try to do a soft sequel to Texas Chainsaw Two with Bill Mosley as Chop Top. It was directed by Toby Hooper's son. Uh, Wang did a video on this a while back, and I think it's called All American Massacre. I might have that wrong, but it's done. They crowdfunded it, they finished it, and it's just never oh, been released. Oh, it's the 80s Leatherface one. The third the, one, yeah. The third one. Yeah. With okay, Vigo. so that's the so, third. I always I always think that, yeah, the Vigo one. It's like a yeah. origin story for the Chainsaw, 
that has the best trailer for a Texas Chainsaw movie ever. It's absolutely nuts. If you can pull oh, that right. up, Hans. Is that, is that the one where they gift them like a golden chainsaw or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it has the Saw's okay. family engraved <laughs> yeah. on the chainsaw. It's like a an origin story for the chainsaw and supposed to be a prequel. But then none of it matches up with any mm-hmm. of the other movies. So it's like, why do you do a prequel? And is it like, a prequel? I could have sworn that that was no that that was played straight as a sequel with Ken oh, Forey. Okay. And, oh, I thought that one was like a prequel for some reason. But mm. uh, the it's a this. Let why don't we uh, yeah, let's take a look at this. Nineteen ninety. There's a couple of them, but it's like a really short commercial. Some yeah, this tales is it. Are told. Then soon forgotten, but a legend is forever. <laughs> Lightning. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Motherface. Nice. Chainsaw Massacre 3. They kept it simple back in the, the day. You gotta appreciate that. This is the, one of the Friday, two rare instances where New Line Cinema had the big three Leatherface. Jason and Freddy Krueger. They would later have that during the aughts and nothing ever comes of it. The best we get is Freddy versus Jason. No, 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 no desire to ever integrate Leatherface into that, that duo, that, that, that face off there. I don't even know if he ended up coming into the like bastardized comic series. They ended up doing. They no, were finally I think, like, I think we they can't did. justify this. They did Jason versus Leatherface. I know that. And, and then Ash and Chucky got into it for like one of them. Of course. It, yeah. It, it became really weird. It wasn't even them doing it either. I think it was like dark horse or some licensing company ended up like reaching out to them. They just saw it as like money on the table and we're like, Hey, can we license these characters and make a comic with it? And mm-hmm. I don't even think it did that well as a comic book. Oh, this, uh, this is all American Massacre, the, um, the yeah, teaser the spinoff top. that would have yeah. starred Chop Top, directed by uh, Toby Hooper's son. This is from 2020? Okay. Uh, for our audio listeners only, we, we have like a, a VHS camcorder found footage kind of look so far to this movie. Someone looking around a shed or... A... Wolverine. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. I didn't know this was done by his son. Far out. <laughs> the beautiful butthead. Yeah. <laughs> the name butthead. <laughs> so since yeah, this fucked. time period, we had the 2003 remake and its uh, prequel, The Beginning. And oh, then wait, they one do second. Sorry. Texas Chainsaw 3D. There's, uh, there's yeah. more. There's another one? All there's right. more to it. Yeah. Oh, you're premature. It <laughs> wasn't over yet. Okay, let's take a look. Again, this is all American Massacre, the unreleased Chop Top spinoff. Looks, Looks like very shit. Spawn, nineteen ninety seven so far. That's, that's, that, that's not that's Bill Mosley either, is it? It is. Yeah. It. Oh, that is actually him. 
Yeah, yeah they just this. gave him like a longer wig. Wow, that's definitely not 1080p. <laughs> 13 years since the rest of the family disappeared. It's like they shot it on like a early 2000s Sony Handycam and then edited it in iMovie. Very insane clown posy-ish, the font they use and everything. <laughs> Your accent is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow, this looks so bad. This has got a like a natural born killers vibe to it. Think it trauma really made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Traumas, natural born killers. Natural born killers, but they weren't doing psychedelics on set. Oh man, it was good audio. You get all that reverb. It's not like camera in camera audio. This is one yeah. of those cases too of not being realistic with yourself and knowing like like when to be like maybe my taste in music isn't cool and I should find something that suits this movie and not just what I think is rad. <laughs> like. Maybe just I because be, my dad is talented doesn't mean I'm talented. I think <laughs> I think someone's got to leak this out. This would be a good Civic TV pick, All American Massacre. <laughs> I mean, really, a good chunk of the Texas Chainsaw movies after that remake could be good Civic mm-hmm. TV picks. Because again, we we had the Texas Chainsaw 3D, and they were trying to tell you this is a direct sequel to that first movie, even though it takes place 40 years after and takes place at a fair and. It's I horrible. Just, I, who who produced those watching ones? It. I just finished watching it. I didn't know that she ended up like Dude. having like a weird romantic comedy, like a uh, couple of scenes where they're standing in front of each other and Leatherface is like, eh, and she's like, oh, and then he's like, eh, and they're like, you're okay. You know, by the end of this movie, it's like, what the fuck? Well, it's very watch? Luke and Leia. She's, she ends with, do your thing, because. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the moral of the movie yeah. is eventually, with, through enough inbreeding, the family will get really hot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the most unbelievable part of that movie is where I was like, I was along for the whole ride until they were like, well, and we're related. I was like, okay. <laughs> they also gave him like emo, like uh, non-messy hair, like our messy on purpose hair to Leatherface to make mm. him look like youthful. <laughs> yeah, That's very Johnny Depp, Willy yeah. Wonka style hair yeah, yeah. on Leatherface. Yeah, yeah he slicks it's it back crazy. for the girls. Well, that's the whole thing, though, is, like, there's not the, like, he doesn't seem to have the weird, like, well, that's the one thing that this new movie actually got kind of right, is he has this weird, like, he almost treats women like dolls, and that that one from, what is it, Texas Chainsaw 3D, he doesn't yeah. really have that until at the end where they're like, oh, we're cousins or whatever the fuck, yeah. like, our brothers are sister, and dad and mom were related before they got married, like... Uh, and then it's just, like, that is supposed to hit really hard after, like, a good, like, 25 minutes at the end of the movie of, uh, Daddario just running around with tit tape on and, like, a 
a flannel shirt just wide mm-hmm. open and you're like yeah. wait am i supposed to be scared in this movie like <laughs> <laughs> that was the most confusing thing was i saw that in theaters with friends and we were all like oh i don't know if i should have watched this with people like <laughs> <laughs> the kills are few and far between and it's it's pretty sexy <laughs> well it, it also has that awful digital both digital fire at the beginning when they set the the house at that doesn't look like their house at all. I thought it was someone else's house. Uh, Bill mostly shows up in there. And I thought they might do something with him as like chopped up or like, because he he looks normal, as normal as he can look, I guess. Uh, and that, so I, I thought, oh, cool. Maybe they'll incorporate chopped up somehow and how he went from that to looking like he does in the second. Now he's not mentioned at all, mm-hmm. but they burn their house that look, doesn't look like the house. And it's all digital fire. So well, it looks like you're shit. Thinking- you're thinking of the pillar house, right? Because there's like two different houses that are kind of confusing. That one is a recreation of one of the houses, but it's not the one with like the big oh, pillars okay. and stuff. Oh, so yeah, okay, they okay, actually okay. they actually almost nail that one. I think that one's technically considered the Sawyer house. And in this new one, that's the post credit scene is him walking up to that. If oh, I remember correctly, yeah. I don't think it's... Hold I on, there's... There's a post credit scene in this new movie we're going to be talking about tonight. Yeah, that's right? what I'm talking about. I didn't about. watch that. Now, Hans, I saw... Him, he walks up to the Sawyer house. It's yeah. Oh, oh that's so it's okay. full, full circle. Okay. It's like yeah. five yeah. seconds. You see okay. a mailbox and he looks up and you see it, what is very clearly like a digital paint in. Because uh, mm-hmm. what were they in? Like Bulgaria or some shit? Yeah, uh, right. That's been the Belarus, taco town. I don't remember they, what the they fuck didn't it shoot was this in Texas. They went <laughs> over Texas. to Bulgaria to shoot this damn <laughs> yes. movie. Now, Texas Chainsaw 3D is supposed to be uh, a sequel that ignores the rest of the series. Where does that Stephen Dorff Leatherface movie come in? Because I know that they were planning a sequel to Texas Chainsaw 3D because apparently it did well enough, um, and that was supposed to be it. But then it went direct to direct tv whatever like their original network was for for movies that one's the most egregious of all the reboots they've done so that one even kind of uh redacts um what's it called the original Mm -hmm. uh like it undoes that uh leatherface is like this half wit mentally challenged guy who's like a wild animal essentially the Sawyer family's like really shitty. I would say this one feels like uh, the writer saw the first season of True Detective and was like, I'm going to do that to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, and this, I think, came out before Dorf even became one of the leads in a season, what was it, season three of uh, Detective. True Detective. But uh, it's kind of a weird cyclical thing. It, it could just be a coincidence. But um it's like a weird switch off at the end where it's like, oh, you think this is Leatherface? Damn Night Shyamalan. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, no. It's the guy that does not look like Leatherface at all. The little one. Yeah, <laughs> That's this actually regular Leatherface. kid, he gets like his face blown off. He's like looking right. sideways and catches a bullet and it shreds his face. And that's why he talks weird and becomes a halfwit because he's just so angry. And I think they like worked in an angle. So it was like, kind of like, uh, they don't really point it out in that one, but it's kind of got like a, uh, like a toxic masculinity angle. Cause he's sort of doing everything for this girl early on in the movie right. when it's like a throw off and you don't know he's Leatherface. he's doing everything for this girl. And that is inevitably how he sees like 
why he got his face shot off. Uh, uh, but then how then, does he become 6'5 or 6'6 six, six yeah, or whatever? Yeah, he grows so up even though he... Well, I was like I was like the runt of my family for years and turned into like a freak. I found out I'm bigger than the guy who played him <laughs> in the new movie. So I'm like, fuck, man. Like, uh, that's, that's what you would that yeah that's like a that's like a coin flip thing but uh didn't this this movie um, got good reviews too on rotten tomatoes did it not yeah i I, can we take i I feel confidence fresh it's a a coin flip if you don't have another kid that looks exactly like what leatherface would look like yeah because then it's just like you have a kid right there who's kind of retarded like Featherface who's a big curly haired like fat boy and no 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 not him is the one that looks nothing like that's that Leatherface what's so funny like. about them trying to redact him being retarded too is they're yeah. like hey that's offensive but here's this other retarded guy we're gonna kill <laughs> like it's like wait what <laughs> like it's it's so crazy inconsistent Dorf's actually the best part of that like he carries the movie but the movie is uh almost as bad as uh texas chainsaw 3d with like the cgi blood and everything uh i think they just learned not to make it 3d at that point and everything's got that like uh like i said like it's like how like uh color correcting went after the first season of true detective and all that came out everybody was just like everything needs to be like an amber or blue or just fucking gray. like yeah uh and it's like all all the time every scene and like like hans was saying it's this whole movie they're setting up for this dude who like even if it was the big like kind of half-wit kid in the movie and it just like slowly progressed into that that would have made way more sense than Mm -hmm. what that movie was which was just like they thought it was a huge gotcha moment and i bet you every producer and everyone who read that was like oh we got a we got a twist on our hands like everybody's gonna lose their minds and like no one saw that movie uh it had the like one shot of the kid with the cow head and that's what they marketed the whole movie around and he has nothing to do with it Mm -hmm. and there's been no film between that and what was just dropped the other day we haven't had yeah, a in between. Yeah, was there a game or something? Honest. I feel like there was something Texas Chainsaw related in that. They, time. But that was only, what, 2016 or 2015, right? That wasn't 16. that. Leatherface. 2016, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's been any more. Um, they well, announced, they were, I, what is it, Gun like Media Denmark? or whatever doing the game? Oh, yeah, that's true. They're, they're uh, but what? yeah, that too, Hans. And there was a lot of a lot of buzz at first with this movie because they announced that Fede Alvarez was going to be the producer on it, and his <laughs> Evil Dead remake. You know, a lot it, it's people are very hot and cold about that. I think it's a pretty decent horror film um, as a hor- as a remake of Evil Dead. You know, maybe it doesn't make the grade, but I think it's fine uh, just on its own as a feature. I'm kind of interested in seeing what they do with that direct to HBO Max Evil Dead sequel that is coming out uh this year. About his daughter. Is it about Ash's That's daughter? Great. Yeah. Is it great fun. canon with that series <laughs> they did on Stars? I don't know. I'm not sure. I I think if I heard that he was going to be probably like, a a girl and it's like oh that's cool no, i think I it care. is because the game's tied into it and everything too uh they're like pulling it all back together 
And then when Hans was saying before, there's Dead by Daylight too had him in it. That yeah, might be the game. I think I think leather leather Leatherface was in Mortal Kombat too. I think uh, in one of the later Mortal Kombat, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they had him as like a downloadable character too. So no, as far as this Evil Dead movie, I think it's what is it called? Evil Dead Rising or something along those lines. I thought it was just going to be another complete reboot of the series, and then somehow Ash was going to be very minor. Like he was going to have a very minor role in the film. Rice, Evil Dead Rice, he's called. I read something about HBO Max. Yeah, I read something a while back that sounded like a a fan idea that was basically like the Indiana Jones pitch that was going around, where like Ash was going to get sucked into the Necronomicon as old Bruce Campbell and come out as a young Bruce Campbell and some new actor. Uh, but I don't know if they would do that. It sounds more likely like they're going to go with his daughter, or that chick from the main show who was like a big hit. That would be an no, unbelievably horrendous idea for a role that, that is, you know, synonymous with Bruce Campbell to then be like, well, now we're introducing the new Ash. Like you're going to get miles out of evil dead once he yeah. is dead. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be her. It's a, it's a different character. It's called Ellie. Apparently. Uh, mm. It's called. Uh, it says in Evil Dead Rice, a road weary Beth. Uh, pay- Beth, I think that Beth is that character that you're talking about, Spencer. If I'm not, she's uh, like the Hispanic chick. That was- I mean, the series isn't bad if you're it. Like oh, no, you're in not. for like campy schlocky shit. Yeah, it, it's it's fun. I, it's the best like extension of evil dead that has come out since uh, army of darkness i think because it, it catches yeah, the like, tone perfectly and it's 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 gory and goofy as it should be but yeah uh, there's a lot of like ridiculous practical stuff in it that yeah. looks great and is gonna hold up for like that's a tv show that in 10 years you'll be able to watch and it's still going to look good and still feel just as campy and fun as it does right now like you can't say that about a lot of shit coming out like uh, I can't think of any TV right now really coming out that I'm like, oh man, this is going to be something I'll still want to go back and look at in a year, like, mm-hmm. let alone yeah. 10 years. So this Evil Dead Rise, uh, it says here that uh, the film follows two sisters trying to survive and save their family from demonic creatures known as Deadites. Uh, so they find the book uh, in their building uh and then the demons come out and um they fight them so it has nothing to do with the original series and nothing to do with the remake well the book i guess that's what the because fede alvarez uh, alvarez evil dead is evil dead just because he has an evil book otherwise there's nothing to do what are you talking about they got bruce campbell he shows up he's it plays a big part in the movie with (laughs) he steps in front of the car and says groovy because that's a lawnmower man that whole movie is a lawnmower man (laughs) like Oh, uh, they had a different script and they added the Necronomicon into it. Yeah, exactly. It's just uh, things happen in a cabin and evil book. And <laughs> evil book. Record. Dude, you, uh, you got to make that movie. <laughs> evil book. I fucking, uh, because I, <laughs> I remember I, I, as you're I enjoyed it. Like, dude, I, I, of evil Dead is evil book. It's not. <laughs> it's not bad but it's just it's just not evil it doesn't feel like evil dead to me yeah no so it's a it's very just... good movie i agree um so yeah. this you know uh, it is also arguably a good i've seen some weird defenses of this new texas chainsaw yeah. on twitter and spencer i know you told me about someone who got pissed off 
about your taste. So yeah, here's I had what a I've seen. Follow me over it. Wait, oh, no. <laughs> this is crazy. This is the movie that that, yeah. that drew the line in the sand. Um, we're passionate takes I got over here. We're in, we're in, we're in the middle of an era of these soft. I mean, I've been saying soft a lot to describe these sequel, remake, reboots, but it's the truth where they don't really want to define themselves. It's like, yeah, it's a reboot, but it's also a sequel and it's tied into this film, but maybe not that film. And it's uh, it, it it's in the universe and we're going to call it the same exact thing. Now, there's this is now Texas chain, not V, and there's no, <laughs> no there's no space between chain and saw. So no. it's it's its own title. They don't. This also has the most derivative titles of any film series. There's two leather faces. There's three Texas chainsaws. It's fucking horrible. Um, I you know so this movie I forgot it was even happening to be honest with you. They released um, some illustrated poster I thought looked cool enough, um, yeah. but obviously you know with with the Texas Chainsaw series you have low expectations no matter what. They haven't gotten one right in about twenty years. Um, they announced that Fede Alvarez was producing it, so I was a little more hopeful since he's a competent director. I thought, okay, Netflix, that's an interesting turn for this series. Yeah. Let's see what I we think have. That's what killed it. That's what killed it. That was like the first red flag of, oh, you don't trust it enough to send it to theaters. It's gonna but go Netflix, to Netflix doesn't do slasher films. That's the thing. So if you have a. Until pres- recently. And I'm going to consider Netflix a prestige distributor here because they do have a number of films that come out with big stars and uh, that obviously are nominated for Academy Awards and whatnot. I'm thinking, well, that's different. This is a lot different than direct TV dropping it on their unknown cable station. It's still not theaters though. The fact that the original plan was to send it to theaters and then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, never mind, It's going to go to Netflix. That to me was a red flag to begin with, just because I know that Netflix is more content than quality. Uh, So they just throw a recognizable name at you and then you watch it. And I I would say at least personally, nine out of 10 times I'm disappointed and and wonder why I waste. So it's, it's a bigger red flag to you that it got the Netflix logo in front of it yeah. as opposed to a very quiet physical media release where it shows up at the red box one day and is listed on amazon.com for 3.99 yeah or an hbo max let's say i still have a little bit of more trust in the their uh quality filters i guess than on netflix every time something uh was supposed to go to theaters and then ends up on netflix i'm kind of like ah they don't i don't think they trust this enough so mm-hmm. hey uh um, content whores chuck this up and they always do so so that's netflix is like the perfect platform for that i think that's fair i mean i i, I certainly have that stigma against any original netflix movie or even if a, mm-hmm. a a great director releases a film on netflix i'm immediately like this is going to be a piece of shit this is going to be forgettable at best but i i, I guess I, I mean maybe i just didn't have that hang up because there's such a low expectation with this series and yet I put it on and I was still surprised at how terrible it was and just how disappointed I was with this movie that I had absolutely you know, nothing hyped, hyped for no hype at all. Yeah. And I saw that trailer and the trailer looked bad. bad. It, it, you know, it, it really did accurately represent what this movie was, which is a film that cannot decide what it wants to be. 
when held next to that original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Do, mm-hmm. do they, they seem to be interested in copying the David Gordon Green. We're going to bring back that original Survivor. We're going to give her a new arc. But then they also want to comment on Gen Z and the millennials and this and that and have it be a little jokey and a little funny. But it doesn't coalesce well. And it feels like two separate movies that they were trying to do in this one film. And I don't know if they get anything right about Texas Chainsaw Massacre with it. It's uh, it's got a lot stacked against it. I know you said you like barely remembered it was coming out. Yeah, I've been following it for a while, uh, and like I remember, I want to say like a year ago or something. There had I don't know if it was. I'm assuming because it was during COVID and all this shit that it had to be like digitally for one of these festivals or something. I think there was like a press screening of an early cut of it. Cause I remember all of a sudden hearing about everybody talking about, I think I might've even mentioned something to you guys. One of the first times you had me on, everybody was talking about how this, uh, they had seen this new movie, this new like legacy horror movie. And it was not good. And I was like, what? Who said that? Sorry, I had to take uh, it. It was just like a bunch of like horror press people okay. on Twitter. I was seeing it everywhere and no one could mention the name of the movie or anything. And everybody was being really vague about it. And that was also where I saw someone say uh, it was some other director who's like uh, like non-binary or something was like, wait till the the Twitter horror community sees which movie I'm rebooting. And I was like, oh, Jesus, it's coming again. Like, there's, <laughs> there's like, evidently a whole new wave of reboots in the works oh, uh, with a bunch of different fun people. Oh. Uh, so there's more of this coming. <laughs> but with this one, from what I read, was, like, kind of written to have more of a right-wing slant. Like, they were kind of trying to go back to the original feel. Bear with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like how it was pitched. It had sort of a, a right-wing angle to it. I guess it still had the, the shooting element in it and everything. Uh, but that's why, like, in the end, they come out using guns and all of that. And It's sort of like... They're... Right, there's the, there's the aspect of this that is like someone watched Run, Hide, Fight the day before they started shooting and we're like, you know what, what if we just, you know, this girl kind of looks like a, like a downsy version of that girl in the movie. What if we just kind of <laughs> integrate this in as a backstory? And it didn't feel thought out. It felt very just last minute, like, hey, I just got this idea. I know we're 17 out of 22 days into shooting, but maybe if we just put her on the ground real quick and put a big gun next to her and there's a blood puddle, yeah. we'll allude to this. This mass shooting survival backstory. I swear she like whispers stuff to herself in a couple of those like quick like flickers. Like she, I think she says "get up" in the last one or something like that. Oh my, oh my, but oh like, there, <laughs> <laughs> bitch, <laughs> like just, <laughs> just insulting herself. Uh, the bullet hole also moves on her when she's in the car. It's up a above her collarbone like on her neckline and when later on when the guy sees it it's like below her collarbone i was like damn that's the craziest bullet wound ever it's it's so weird how they managed to get nothing right about any of the characters they write 
uh, because uh, one of the one of the the bits that really stuck out for me was the Confederate flag bit, where they freak out because there's a Confederate flag hanging off a building, a really beaten up old Confederate flag. So they're like, "Oh, we have to fucking take that down because we're gonna sell the buildings, and no one wants to see a Confederate flag or whatever." And right. They go and they Black take it down. Understandably and- mad. <laughs> yeah, and they t- they take down the flag and then they just leave it on the ground for everyone <laughs> to see. So it's like, then what's the point of like, you're just making it more visible. If no one looks up, they won't see the flag, but the flag right there on the floor and they're like, oh yeah, that's fine. Just fucking leave it there. Who cares? Uh, so there's very, very weird things like that that contradict what they set up, uh, where I feel like nothing nothing worked for me uh, in this movie. The, the only thing that I liked was that... Uh, Whenever there was no action, the cinematography was nice. Uh, so the scenes that were uh, uh, doing the crash or like after the crash at night, those were cool shots. And they had a, a couple of other cool shots. But By the way, this, this movie does not earn its end credit sequence, which are way cooler than anything in the movie. It's like a very Stranger Things, Netflix budget, end credits that are like synthy and, and special effects. I didn't even and, yeah, well shot. Yeah, it, I, it it was just like the immediate after they kill the last girl in the movie, who's so obnoxious. I mean, they're both pretty obnoxious, but that girl is especially obnoxious. Uh, Listen, when Leatherface when Leatherface started dancing like on the original one, mm. I was so mad. It's no, <laughs> I, it said, I just said fuck you. I said <laughs> fuck you out loud. My girlfriend that was next to me got pissed because it was like one a.m. <laughs> and I was <laughs> yelling in her house. Uh, but yeah, that that felt very much like, hey, remember? Yeah, he likes to do that. This, was this it's thing. the perfect so, sequel to it, you know? That felt uh, like a victory screen in a Mortal Kombat game. Like when the camera starts to like twirl around him and he slashes it at the end, I like <laughs> giggled like an idiot. It was like, this movie is all over the place. Uh, the Where it like really took off for me was uh, like the bus he does. This movie is just, I called it plagiarism gumbo on Twitter. Uh, it's like a bunch of like really cool scenes from movies that have come out in the last three to five years, I guess. Uh, it, it's basically the the Vader slaughter scene from Rogue One is the bus kill. Uh, that's literally the Vader slaughter scene. Starts with the dude getting fucking stabbed through the ceiling and then just goes off the deep end. And it's like almost like I would love to see a comparison to see how close it is. Uh, but uh, I immediately thought of that. He's got a John Wick getting his chainsaw out of the orphanage wall, which uh, if you want to suspend disbelief for every fucking thing else to explain him getting to that orphanage in this movie, why the fuck, if this lady is aware of who he is, is she like, okay, I'm going to take you in and raise you and also let you store your murder chainsaw in our fucking wall (laughs) and do like a couple hundred dollars worth of construction to hide it away in a crawl space behind the wall. I was like, this movie is literally just, wouldn't this be cool? uh, Because we saw it in another movie, but we make it Leatherface. Um, The mirror tilt thing, I swear I've seen somewhere else, but I wasn't, I literally was like trying to place it up until we went live uh, when the military vet guy comes in and she's under the the bed and she just moves the mirror. Yeah, touches the mirror a little bit. 
I'm like almost certain. I wanted to say it was in one of the collector movies, which are great slasher movies. If you want to check those out, uh, if you haven't before, um, they've got one of those that's unfinished. That's just sitting around, right? They they started COVID killed it. Yeah, they had to pause because of COVID, and it's it's, just not going to get done. Nope. Uh, And that's one where like everybody really is on board. The production team is basically just like grown every time and stayed consistent for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're just, they're fun. They know what, they know exactly what they're going for and they're not trying to be like super fucking smart or anything like that. It's, it's one of those times where it's like, Oh, we have a bunch of cool ideas that we came up with for this. Like, uh, it's not like, Oh, we saw this somewhere else and we're going to sort of mix it all up. Uh, the like Marvel chainsaw shotgun fight at the end with Sally Hardesty who they oh, go out was... of their way to make she should have stayed sure in retirement. Oh, now. Boy. What was the point of that character? I don't understand. So, so she's she looking like a fool. She's she's looking like a, a a badass. I I don't understand the insistence of putting old ladies against monsters and then thinking that that's compelling. Like I have no that point whole scene was where I, she's like, like saying my name. <laughs> remember you it's like uh, she's like it's been it's been 50 years she's say my name and then she just starts crying in front of me doesn't do anything (laughs) what the what is the point he's just sitting there he couldn't care less and then he doesn't even (laughs) kill her he walks away and then he decides you know fuck you i'm gonna kill you and it's just all for none i mean there was really no reason to bring her back or even use the same actress other than david gordon green did it and it worked out yeah. But Jamie Lee Curtis has been acting like consistently for 40 years. This woman just showed yeah. up. What has she done? She's that's right. She doesn't it's have like TV. A, she doesn't have like TV uh diarrhea commercials like Jamie Lee Curtis. No. <laughs> that's also that's also not the real Sally. The real Sally like passed away a couple of years ago and they no. just cast Then what's the what point? The what was the, what the fuck was they, oh, they cast an approximation <laughs> of her, dude. That's what I mean like this. <laughs> Excuse me. This was literally just Fede Alvarez and these screenwriters blatantly plagiarizing a bunch of shit that's really popular from the last couple of years. And they figured if, oh, this will use as the marketing point of it, uh, which is like, John, I, I think I'm, I mentioned this on Twitter, John Carpenter sued the shit out of Luke Besson for lockout for literally stealing Escape from New York and making it in space. Mm-hmm. Um I'm like shocked this didn't turn into a lawsuit with Blumhouse um, because their whole marketing was crafted around Halloween 2018 for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, And it's about what, like five, maybe 10 minutes of the 73 minute movie. Uh, It's not like a huge portion of it. And it's almost like weird, like, like family guy cutaway length sections of her like when they first introduce her she just gets a call and i think there's like a guitar chug and she like grabs a (laughs) bag and jumps in a truck i was like (laughs) she dropped she dropped something because she's shocked and then she just yeah yeah. Uh, in a very grimy place i think she was like uh skinning an animal or something yeah because she's a raw you know she's she's a bad bitch she's a tough tough gal there's yeah there's no set up for who she is as a person why <laughs> she would still personally care about this like half-wit hiding out forever and then she's the most inconsistent character this is i was like talking about this on twitter with a bunch of different people but she shows up she has the two sisters in the back of her car and she acknowledges straight up 
they don't bring it up or anything. They're like, hey, let's get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, he wants you. Essentially, I'm going to use you as bait, you two bitches. So <laughs> stay here in my car. That evidently you can't unlock and leave. Uh, she, she, they don't explain if she's a, a cop or anything. Like, I, 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 I had to, like, assume she's a cop, and that's why they couldn't get out of the car. I don't oh, remember part, seeing, yeah. like, the side of her car or if it was, like, police badged up or anything. But no. the, like, gas station slash police dispatcher calls her. <laughs> uh, so they're trapped in the back. She acknowledges that they're bait and that she knows Leatherface wants nothing to do with, with her personally. Then proceeds to walk maybe a minute's time upstairs look Leatherface or look at Leatherface he won't acknowledge her this is the only time in the movie where he feels like kind of like the half-wit retard he is his back is turned he's sitting looking forward and she comes over he's like he looks at her like what do you want like that's that's the only time he feels like the original Leatherface where (laughs) she walks in and he's just like a dumb kid playing with toys he's like what who are you lady and he just goes back to what he's doing but then even that he ditches because as soon as she's like oh, you don't care about me. He's like, no, I don't. She's like, you care about the girls downstairs. He's like, oh, those girls are downstairs? He just grabs his shit and like goes after them. And I'm like, this movie fucking is insane. And then yeah. a minute later, she's downstairs. I got strength now. And she's loaded shotgun shells and shooting at him. And he's just like running into buildings like a girl and like, I'm gonna go in this door now and disappear. And then... <laughs> I'm going to CGI run out of the shadows and like Marvel throw you on a wire 30 feet. Uh, It's, it's insane, but she, she's literally the worst part because that's where I, I can't remember who I said it to. I think I was talking to Jake actually. And I was like, uh, the movie obviously feels like it got to like the 60 minute mark with what the script had. And they had shot all this footage and they were like, this isn't a fucking movie. They're like, this isn't a feature film. Holy shit, we're screwed. Uh, And then they came up with another 13 minutes worth. And that's like, uh, the movie ends, uh, I would probably say, like, in the gunfight around with Sally that first time. And then there's, I think that's actually around the hour mark. And then there's just like 13 minutes of them, like, kind of running around that building, like, Scooby-Doo style. Well, the whole whole set feels very... uh uh what's a tarantino movie uh with uh, DiCaprio, the last one yes because yeah, i okay, was thinking that the song. whole time i was thinking it's how a, the west was won 1960s yes. it doesn't feel like texas it feels like an old west tv bonanza it's, that's what they it's a cowboy about. facade yeah 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 and and it makes no sense that they're there to what sell they're they're there to sell the buildings uh for people to come uh uh what's the word uh that is used when white people uh, they're gonna gentrify it gentrify the the, this abandoned town full of buildings where people still live apparently like that setup to begin with was kind of this is what we're supposed to care for i don't why who who gives a shit really what believable but that's something that was like happening in like 2008 and stuff when i was like graduating high school 
So just having like block parties? Uh, hey, no, like, <laughs> this is block well, no, I mean, like people this. were like losing their houses because of recession and stuff like that. And literally like right. southern towns and stuff were drying up like this. Uh, so like people buying up the land and stuff. Yeah, it happens, but it yeah. would have been more organic. And that's literally been the story. And like that was in well, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. Like here's what they should have all done. of them. It should have been, you know, a multimillionaire podcaster and all his comedian friends buy buy the land in Texas and move to Texas. And then Leatherface just so happens. Yeah. To, and you get like a, you get, who like, would be like a good stand-in for Joe Rogan? A good no, bald, you just get comedian. Joe Rogan, man. <laughs> he builds a comedy, comedy club in the or- orphanage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you kill Tony in the orphanage. Uh, <laughs> Vin Diesel is Joe Rogan. <laughs> I think uh, they they did because uh, after rewatching all of them or, or most of them, um, I know that having the characters uh, be three D is not really a strength of the franchise, really, or any of the characters. But it's really weird that within what ten, maybe fifteen minutes, uh, we have a blonde girl in this movie that, for whatever reason, decides that it's her responsibility to go with this older lady in the in the uh, police truck, even though she hasn't even met the old lady, hasn't even talked to the old lady, doesn't know who this old lady is, but she's like, "Hey, I'll go with her because she's almost dead or whatever." And then she gets killed and the cops get killed in a very simple, very completely unnecessary way that doesn't really do anything for any character. And that scene is just dragged into a blonde girl could easily reach for the cop's gun, but she doesn't do it until like 20 minutes in. (laughs) Once Leatherface realizes that she's alive. So what's the point of even having that character if you're going to kill it without even giving her a couple of lines like are we supposed to care about her even though we don't know I don't, I don't even think we know what her name is i don't even think we know what her role is in the movie and it's like well now we're we're gonna go Life. kill her and <laughs> care i guess it was that was very odd to me like that whole scene of uh yeah well leatherface is gonna kill within the first 10 minutes it removes whatever a creepy factor you can build of the character because within the first 15 minutes you know that he's invisible and he's stronger than everyone and he can break that cop's arm by barely touching it and and then the other cop gets shot in the neck because it's uh you know has to happen and uh, and then they crash and everything is just very convenient for the story but then if you look back uh, a little bit it's like all right so what is the point of having that blonde girl at all? Because I don't give a fuck about who she is. We don't know anything about her. So then she dies and it's like, great. Another character, another nameless who cares character is dead. So who cares? You kill those two cops. And again, we don't know them. Who cares? And all we know now is that Leatherface is just this big, dumb giant that's very strong. And it's been 15 minutes of a movie and from right from the setup it's like you remove the creepy factor of anything this character can be by showing him killing right away they also like spend the beginning of the movie humanizing him as from the moment you see him he's right. just like you know completely protective of his mother and All like right. he yeah. actually is uh like has a capacity for like humanity which i was like this is so fucking dumb like yeah 
and she they don't really set it up where she's like officially one of the family members she just seems to be an old lady who ran an orphanage and who took him in and isn't related to the Sawyers at all I was like I don't know what the fuck is going on and then they confirm that at the end there's this whole contingent of people who have reviewed the movie that like uh think that uh you don't know if it's the real Leatherface, or if it's just someone else that's sort of taken up the moniker sort of thing in this one. I was they're like, doing, hold on, they're making the commentary, the same commentary after Joker came out, where it's like, maybe he's not actually the Joker. Maybe yeah. he just inspired the Joker. It's like, come on. I'm like, if that's what they were going for, I don't think the post credit scene would be in there where he very oh, much yeah. goes back to his house. But it was like, Damn, like, if you want to be really fan service that post credit scene, he goes back to the house, Grandpa's, like, dusty-ass corpse should just be sitting on the porch waiting for him. Like, <laughs> just have it make no fucking sense. This movie, though, what Hans was saying about the, the blonde girl going on the ride and everything, that's where, like, immediately I was like, oh, yeah, this, this movie is, like, pretty much every other horror movie that's come out in the last couple of years where it suffers yeah. from, like, you just needed to talk to a couple more people and do another draft or two. That blonde girl, I think the the element of surprise, if no one goes with her, they're just like, you know, we have to be here for this opening. Uh, You get a little downbeat moment where you see that opening and they're all talking and mingling with people, showing people around, setting up sort of the geography of that area, which is when I knew immediately that that was like a cowboy facade town was when they don't show you inside any of the they don't even try to get locations for anything other than like the vet guys mechanic mechanic shop house uh that's an easy location it's just wide open this guy's like a vagrant and sleeps on a bed in a wide open bay uh but yeah and then that final location which i honestly think with the pool and everything i think that's honestly the the location they used for the mechanic shop that they just dress up with Mm -hmm. hanging plastic and stuff and i'm pretty sure it's the same interior just redone uh which you know smart cost effective and everything but i have no fucking clue what this movie was made for uh she never goes and you have the element of surprise this was 20 hold on this was 20 million dollars i said that on twitter i'm pretty sure yeah uh so yeah uh which was spent evidently flying everything out there but uh, (laughs) like uh if the blonde girl never goes on the ride with them and they all stay there you have the element of surprise you have this build-up of tension where uh you see leatherface kill the two cops and everything after the mom dies you see this van crash you see him skin his mom and you can have just this awesome it doesn't need to be this blurry over the shoulder shot that you think is really fucking cool where you can't see the cool thing happening yeah. Uh, you can actually like focus on Leatherface peeling a face off, setting his mom up like art and everything, because that reveal wasn't effective at all either and had no real point. Yeah. But you have a little moment with Leatherface where you're not humanizing, but you're showing like what he gets down to when he's doing his thing. And then it's the the classic, he's walking back to his next destination to to do his thing. And then you leave him off screen for a while and you start to build that fucking tension of, when's that crazy retard gonna pop up again and start mutilating people and you could have set up the whole town the geography like uh hereditary is a movie that does that great with like uh the house feels unreal but like you understand the locations and how they all interlock and then can tell when things start to like 
not make sense. Uh, and there's, there's not, there's not like a baseline. There's no geography to the movie. You're just sort of like out in the middle of this lot or in this garage. It's one street. You're either in the bus or you're at the mechanic's house or you're at the orphanage or in that one street. Or this like three quarters angle. Like it's like Wes Anderson, just straight on or like (laughs) three quarters from the side but only from certain points. Cause if yeah. you try to do a three quarters from the reverse angle of this, uh, now you can see that this is just like a bunch of support beams holding up a flat painted wall. Like it's, yeah. it's crazy. And like, the, like wherever that $20 million went uh, maybe in a marketing or whatever uh, should have been spent on just a couple other locations. You know, you show people opening up your fake ass doors and then, cutting into interiors or however the fuck you choose to do it but like have that mingling setting up some of those like b characters on the bus that you literally never meet but all of a sudden there's like like i think you see inside the bus and there's like maybe 10 people there and then when the massacre happens all of a sudden there's 40 people in that bus like it gets it i'm like it's cool because it's like a massacre but like uh it feels it, like it doesn't feel earned or anything because it's it just doesn't like, make sense either everyone's just standing around just watching yeah. people get mutilated and they're like no one tries oh no and yeah there's the the fucking door that they can't open behind them and everyone's just like oh i guess we're getting killed oh and look yeah, at that guy getting killed you're, you're canceled bro <laughs> that's why yeah. i mean the the, the original the original script was supposedly kind of written with a right wing slant. Uh, you, you can kind they... of see that a bit, but then obviously it goes into somebody else's hands. Maybe it was the producer or the director, and then it it's turns into Garcia this weird muddle thing. Over. Mm. No, the the original directors, I guess, were on board and like like basically brainstorming with the the writer. From what I gathered, like I tried to find out as much as I could about this one and. Like, they were kicking things back and forth. I think it was, like, two guys co-directing, if I remember correctly. I think they might be brothers. It's, like, Toe Hill or something like that. Uh, they got kicked off of it. Uh, the early what, footage... Do you know what happened? The, yeah, the early footage they shot, they showed the Legendary, and Legendary evidently said it was some of the worst shit they've ever seen, like, in anything. Uh, I forgot that Legendary was a production company behind that. Legendary owns it. And that's the whole thing. It was going to get a full theatrical release. Things bombed with the original director set up. And the new guy that came on, everybody says he's like a left-leaning dude. But from what I gathered, like, uh, I don't really know what his politics or anything are, but he's a, he's a native dude. And it seems like he's about native rights and just like keeping to himself. But it also seems like he's kind of a gun guy because uh, from what I remember, it was originally sort of like making fun of liberal people. And that's why there's like the gentrifuckers line from the gas station guy at the beginning. And it's basically setting up, oh, these kids are a bunch of shitty, like gentrifying liberal assholes who they, it, it at least keeps in theme with the originals, like sort of like a, uh, socioeconomical ideas of the time and why i said it was like an angry movie early on because it's like it was about pissed off poor people just taken to the extreme where they're literally fucking eating people because they're so poor uh it's almost more based on like the bender family than ed gein but uh it's very 
it's still very shallow though where it comes that's, from because that's it, because what it, I mean. it, is it, it chooses it chooses when it wants to push that a little bit but then so you have the characters the the curly hair girl who's the one of the most annoying characters I've seen on screen in a oh, long yeah. time. Oh my god! From the first moment she opens her fucking mouth, uh, and then uh, she treats the the uh, um, mechanic guy like shit. And she's like, "Why? Why would you need to have a gun? What is it? You have a small dick or whatever the fuck she says, right? Which is great, fine. Yeah, you you're gonna go to Texas and say that, sure, okay. But then uh, she they start. Um, giving shit to the old lady and then as soon as the old lady starts getting sick then all of a sudden she can't get over it for the rest of the movie because she's like well now (laughs) i'm i'm guilty about this and no one can leave and no one can whatever until this old lady comes back it's like what the fuck is this yeah 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 and it's just like cgi jizz that she coughs up all over the cop is just gc phlegm uh but then like none of the characters are set up to do anything other than what the story i guess needs them to do uh you have the sad emo a school shooter victim or whatever who uh, opens up to this redneck character that just let her talk. And then all of a sudden she's like, you know, having a heart to heart with this older man uh, and he sits her on her bed or whatever. And then they have that weird moment of like, they don't like the sister finds her or or whatever. So her uh, goes to that and then she hates guns and she's completely terrified by guns because of what happened to her. And then she grabs a gun and she's like, oh, you know what? Guns are actually kind of cool. So then then he's like, all right, so we don't know. So who who this character is, we don't know. You have the black guy who's like all business and he's all, you know, uh, I'm the the guy with the contracts, I'm the guy, whatever. And then all of a sudden he doesn't have any of the contracts and it's like, well... Um, uh, never mind, but I'm still... (laughs) Yeah, so it's like none of them are worth anything. Like none of those characters to the point where, yeah, maybe... Uh, the 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 human or the good characters in any of the movies i don't think any of them really matter that much i don't think any of them are really no. interesting at all but at least fucking give me something you know uh, it's not even fun to see them die because it's just like i just don't want you on screen you're so obnoxious that even watching you die is kind of like all right let's just fucking get it over with just fucking kill the character and that's it like i don't care i have no attachment to to even watching them die you know it's not they're obnoxious because of good character writing or anything it's literally Mm -hmm. just like this performance is Mm -hmm. fucking driving me nuts like the black guy early on where i was like oh the confederate flag that's a little bit like on the nose and really obvious but it it makes sense even for a black dude in Texas to be like, what the fuck, a Confederate right. flag, really? And it's like, yeah, okay, if you're if you're on board for they spent all this money and just bought this little fucking Dust Bowl town, like, yeah, uh, you wouldn't want a fucking Confederate flag hanging up when you have a bunch of investors coming in. So it, it like, makes sense, and then it completely unravels as soon as people start talking to each other. But I have a theory that the original writers and directors had like a clear idea for what they're doing. And I won't know until I can find like, like the script leaks online or something, but I have a, a a theory that the script is probably longer. And I think probably dug way more into the ripping on liberals and stuff like that. Uh, And I think they, once they got the new guy in started to pick things apart because he's a new director and probably didn't have the the stones to really be like hey no 
I want to shoot this as is, do it like how it was intended to be done, like what's in the script, uh, and just didn't fight back with anything and let like the studio pick apart, which Legendary and pretty much every studio is fucking known for. But it, it reeks of like that makes sense as to why it would get chopped down to what it is and how it like sort of just in the last 15 minutes just turns into the kitchen sink of slasher movies but it really feels like they like chopped a bunch of shit out that they didn't think was important that is probably all the stuff that rounds out the characters and explains why a lot of these things are like happening uh there's like all these weird sections that just it it seems like hey there should be another like five minutes in the middle here Mm -hmm. there's no room to breathe here uh i think it was like 15 or 20 minutes before the first kill actually happens and the movie is 73 minutes long without the credits so that is almost a third of the movie gone before you see anyone killed in this movie which is like uh maybe they thought they were subverting the the slasher like formula or whatever but it was like of all the things in the slasher formula to leave out this movie proves that you don't leave out the fucking opening kill even if you just have to have a random dude hit by a car who has nothing to do with the movie at all and you just see a guy die at the beginning like there's something about a visceral murder in the opening of a slasher movie that just sets the tone and lets you know that is like at least you're gonna see some people die violently and it'll be interesting and this doesn't have that and once it starts it like is so paced weird and i think they think they're doing like really cool suspenseful stuff but it's like just showing him and then not showing him like he's a ghost is not scary (laughs) like we see him run once Right? Yeah, and that's, that's like the, his staple. That's the one thing that I thought that they completely misused because uh, uh, they they take that uh, that a uh, cop car ride, uh, and it takes well supposed to they're supposed to be in the middle of nowhere, right? Like they drove I don't know how many miles uh, by the time that he kills them, and then two minutes later he's back at the orphanage, but we never see anything that shows that he's fast and it shows that he's not just a big lumbering dummy even when he's fighting the two girls at the end he's very sloppy and very easily defeated i think so at no point he feels threatening uh even in that scene in the bus that a lot of people are praising uh that could have been like people are praising this yes uh there's there's reviews i think on rotten tomatoes that are literally like finally a texas chainsaw massacre with a massacre yeah like that's that's the bar for most people in like slasher movies and stuff and i'm like i need to start like a political campaign for slashers deserve better (laughs) because i'm like these movies don't need to be completely fucking mindless you guys like yeah they can have a little substance to them like, well let me let me ask you guys because a lot of the people i've seen defending this movie were extremely critical of my beloved halloween kills when it was Masters. released in october which <laughs> i think only gets better and better it's uh s- slowly crystallizing into one of the great slasher films of the past uh five or ten years 
maybe maybe you feel different, Hans. I can see you g- oh. giggling up a storm over there. I don't know. I mean, it's Extended not much of a compliment. Is... I don't think it's much of a compliment, really. It, it's look, it's, it's very little competition, really. If <laughs> yeah, you think about yeah. It. So fair enough. Um, right. Watch but I've it seen ten times. Like I did. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> and if you don't love it by then, you're an asshole. <laughs> Have you watched the extended cut of Halloween Kills? Oh, you know it. Like, yeah. I genuinely enjoyed that movie. Because, like, for me, with slasher movies, I think I said it when I was on one of the last ones with you guys, was uh, it's just consistency. It's like any horror movie. You set up, You set up your fucking rules. Let me know what they are. And then we play by them. It's like the easiest analogy for me is like you go to a new friend's house and they're like, you want to play Monopoly? And then they got their fucking house rules for it and they just keep changing as the fucking night goes on. You're mm-hmm. like, I don't want to play Monopoly anymore. Like this, this Monopoly yeah. blows. Like, and like that's, that's movies. It's like if you can't stick to the, your own bullshit essentially, because it doesn't need to even be real. Michael Myers stomps a guy's head to, like a watermelon in that 2018 one. The fucking doctor, I don't remember his name, like Sartain or some shit, the Indian right. Indian Loomis, uh, stomps his head like a watermelon. It explodes. And I was like, God damn, I guess he's like Superman now, but whatever. Like, maybe well, Vigo, Vigo does that too in the 2003 one. We just don't see it because he's off, off screen, but he's... Uh... He squeezes very hard. You can see on his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like uh, like at least Halloween, uh, the twenty eighteen one, one and so Halloween cool. Kills. Like they know what they were trying to be, and and like I, that genuinely. After watching Halloween Kills, was like I'm excited for Halloween Ends, and they actually. I just I think it was today they announced that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis just wrapped production. Uh, I don't know if that means they wrapped completely, but uh, she wrapped for Halloween Ends, as far as I that's saw. Oh, if that's, that's premature, then she might, yeah, it's she like might not be long for... Yeah, if that's just complete bullshit, who knows, but... Uh, Is that going to well, be this year? Release this year? Uh, well, um, they, were, they were supposed to get rolling back in 2020, and then obviously they had to pause. Um, I had been under the impression for a minute that they already shot it. It was wrapped and ready to go, because they were going to do back-to-back movies, but... No, they they started late, and I guess they changed whatever they were going to do COVID in that time. It. Yes, so what well, with the story as well, technically, they had some idea. The, technically, ends should have been out this past October. Yeah. Like if COVID never happened, they were supposed to be one year after the other, three mm-hmm. years in a row. Now uh, the extended I cut. The, I think the initial pitch, actually, I heard back in the day was that they tried to pitch them like three or six months apart, and they were supposed to all just be shot in a row. And I was like, that was essentially like what I was writing up to pitch to Netflix like two years back with Camp Rainbow. We were like, fuck it, we'll just make it a comic for now and do what we do. But uh, like, so we would have had brilliant, like a Halloween movie probably in like the summertime and then around Halloween is what they they wanted to do that would have been that would have been interesting um what's come out this year though it's the year that's october 14th. right it's still slated to come out this year we'll see if they make it's that, this that october deadline. now but i think it was supposed to be october 2020 any word originally been ends on, on whether or not we're, we're gonna get anthony michael hall back for for halloween ends because his death was far more brutal in the extended cut, and they half-assed it for the theatrical, which makes me think they might pull a Will Patton and say, oh, no, he lived. 
he actually survived, even though it was very clear he died. He actually is alive and he's back to take on Michael. Not an IMDb, so maybe, you know, in a fan site or something, but not an IMDb. He's not announced at all. God, they're going to do uh... on the Goldbergs right now. He's on the goal. Good for him. Well, they got to replace what's his name, the lead actor on that show because he was groping women or something, wasn't he? He was uh, up to no Jeffrey good. Tambor. <laughs> yeah, they should replace oh, the, the lead actor with Jeffrey Tambor. That's right. It's his big comeback role. Uh, oh, you mean Jeff Garland? Jeff Garland. Yeah, he's he's a bad boy, naughty boy. So Halloween ends. Is, now I learned this from the commentary track where it's David Gordon Green just dropping little like production inspirations, and then Judy Greer subtly making fun of Jamie Lee Curtis for being a, a, a big old libtard and saying, oh, David, you predicted the Capitol riot. David, you predicted January 6th. And um, I guess they told her after the fact, you know, we went to go see a psychic before the movie started and he predicted all that stuff. And that's why David put it in the movie and Jamie Lee Curtis believed it. So she was. She's very hung up on David Gordon Green is like a soothsayer of politics. All right, well, that's disappointing. She's, that's she just sounds very nuts. She sounds like uh, John Cusack whenever he appears on like the Young Turks. You know, it's, one, <laughs> it's like one of those interviews. Um, and David Gordon Green could give a shit. He, he doesn't care at all. He's just yeah. very honed in, locked in. So anyway, but what I learned from this commentary track is that somehow. Michael's origin or demise is going to be related to this radio tower that they threw into the background digitally once they had Halloween ends confirmed, locked uh, for shooting. There's going to be a radio tower. They're going to throw them down a radio tower? I don't know. They implemented a radio tower in the background of a bunch of scenes because they said this radio tower we're setting up for a big payoff in Halloween ends. Where is there a commentary track? On On the Blu-ray. Oh, I need to buy that. Well, hopefully it's, they'll do like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 where they go to the radio station and just start killing a bunch of people mercilessly. Yeah, why not? Maybe uh, maybe they could do Pontypool and it's just them reporting yeah, Michael's yes. kills as he gradually gets closer <laughs> to the radio. Oh, maybe they'll that. do like a like a power station thing with Spider-Man and, and, and the girl I, that dies. I hope that they don't do exactly what I have planned for mine because... Man, were we worried uh, with uh, fucking Halloween Kills when they announced the uh, uh, the like synopsis for it. I was like, "Oh God, we gotta change some shit!" <laughs> like <laughs> immediately, just like in like uh, like a paragraph synopsis. It's it's bad, man. But uh, I hope that one is just like that one should just be an all out massacre. Don't even worry. So maybe build tension for like 15 minutes and then just that, that one should be a gore fest. Like go all in for it. If you're really trying to make this like a trilogy that's meant to be watched like back to back. Like uh, I really hope that one is just like off the fucking deep end insane. Like uh, that's the only way to go, especially after the last one. I don't think they're going to try and well, yeah. rebound it into that Halloween yeah. 2018 terror, which if you rewatch that now, there's hints of the tone that is present in Halloween Kills that is just not developed. They they still yeah. want to ground it as like a serious horror film, but there's little snippets before they go all the way with it. It's that. like they're unsure if everybody's going to be on board for it, so they're like, right. let's kind of keep it a little bit tame up front, but that's what I mean. Like, when the doctor gets his head stomped, you're like, okay, this is a little bit different. This isn't completely, like, classic Halloween. We're going to 
we're going to ramp things up and shit's going to get a little ridiculous by the end. And even like the characters kind of get progressively a little bit more campy as it gets towards the end till it's literally like empowered women Trinity at the end. Mm. And uh, it's uh, like, at least with those, like you can tell everybody's on set having fun and is like on board for what they're all trying to do. And that's what this one suffers from. I feel, I ended up feeling bad for like the dude that directed this new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Cause it's like, this guy got fucking thrown in an impossible situation. Like, uh, unless it was him that had to like edit this script down. And like, my theory is right. Like, uh, I, I feel real bad for this dude. Cause I don't see like this, like coming out good any way you cut it like it was has he done any the, press uh yeah he did a little he did some little like two minute thing i saw on youtube where he was like you know talking about how he's a texas native and uh sending smoke signals right <laughs> yeah well i mean he he stresses in the little bit of press i saw that he's a texas native and how important that is to get a texas native directing it again but then they don't shoot it in Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like you get a Texas native and you, you don't fight to be like, we need to shoot this in Texas. We need to maybe get the Texas film commission on board again. Like the original did see if they'll match us like the original did. And then, Oh, Hey, we're putting up 20 million. And now the film commission's putting up another 20 million rad. We're about to make a real Texas Chainsaw Massacre again. And now we have double the budget. But it's like, no, we're going to go to fucking Bulgaria and shoot in, like, Bulgarian gun smoke town. Like, (laughs) it's fucking crazy, dude. Have they all shot in Texas before? I'll say that the Leatherface Texas Chainsaw 3 movie feels much more like the Bayou. It has a certain swampy Louisiana vibe to it. Yeah, I think they say they're in Louisiana, isn't it? If in one of them, if I'm not mistaken, they say they're in Louisiana. But, but I don't know he, if it's, it's Texas the, Chainsaw in, Massacre. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I, it might be the McConaughey one. Uh, they they all kind of like blended in. No, that that one's definitely Texas. I think if it if it was going to be one in Louisiana, it would be the Ken Ken Forey Vigo Mortensen Leatherface Maybe, that we watched yeah. the trailer too. Yeah. Like, I don't remember, like, the Sawyer house or anything showing up in part two. Well, they just constantly hang out around the gas station, right, in part three. In part two, they have the radio station. They have... Yeah, the radio station's a great set. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, you have Dennis Hopper going through the mine to where the house or or something is. The disco mine. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) disco Christmas mine. I don't fucking know, man. It's, uh, that's basically Rob Zombie's whole set decoration right there. Uh, is that movie, that mine, uh, damn, man. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Hans, this, what, what was the uh, budget on the remake from 2003? This was what? This was uh, oh, 20 million? Question. Yeah. Rumored 20 million. I couldn't find any confirmation of that. Right, Netflix is very secretive and protective when it comes to their figures. They didn't uh, make it though. It was right. a legendary they just acquired. movie. Yeah, yeah, so according to Wikipedia, it's nine point five million for the two thousand three. Yeah, god damn, man. Michael Bay was paying everybody in fucking scraps and just like 
we're going to make a hundred. He made 107 million. Nice. So that's a big, yeah, way, yeah. that is a yeah. big time payday. That's great. Um, do you guys think that this movie is wacky enough is, uh, just enough of a mess to be able to come back around and be something that is entertaining or enjoyable. Maybe if there's like another, like 20 minutes sitting on the cutting room floor and they can do like a, a finished cut of this movie. What's Uh, there to like about this movie? Like what elements story-wise? Because again, I did enjoy some, some shots of it. I thought the cinematography was pretty good, but Anything that has to do with story, anything that has to do with character development, anything that has to do with anything else other than what it looks like, it sucks. Like, it's bad. There's not very many things that you can rescue out of that. Uh, none of the, the characters are interesting. Uh, well, the vet's the only likable, like, genuine human being who isn't a piece of shit. Like, And then he gets fucking destroyed. Well, that's... <laughs> that's where it feels like it's like it was in like a a right-wing guy wrote it and that's like the liberal turn where like heel turns and that takes over is like oh you have a heroic archetype here and an actual like character that's at least like feels more like a human being and isn't just like a piece of shit at every turn they get uh that's where it's like overdoing the like slasher like you need to hate every character so you like enjoy when you see the slasher get them because in a slasher movie the slasher is sort of a hero but then you get but you need the you need the final girl though the final girl here is not likable you don't know you have the sisters who are nothing like each other they don't even like each other for most of the movie they're shitting on each other most of the time you have one of them that's just very sad and very like emo and separated from each other and then you have the other one that won't shut up ever uh so then at the end when both of them are the ones that are alive you're kind of like why why are these the chosen ones can you give me anything to root for when i already wanted them to die as soon as they opened their mouth in like the gas station that's which is like the first time we see them like I, I i understand the fact that the villain like you're supposed to root for them in some of these movies but like fucking give me something you know that's that's <laughs> the other really confused part is so you get the it gets to the end and it's like oh no we're not doing the classic there's a final girl you get right. two final girls and they save the day and they kill Leatherface, but then, oh, a completely unearned twist that you don't care about. Uh, main sister, who's been the main character the whole movie, gets her head cut off and is dead. And it wasn't two final girls, it was just one, except she's like the anti final girl, where she's like, <laughs> I'm all fucked up already. I was fucked up when we got to this town. Now I'm more fucked up. Can we go home? And then before they can even go home, she gets more fucked up. And they're like, oh, shit. Like, I'm going to Tesla away for one more Tesla joke. And they couldn't get Tesla to sign off on it. So all of the logos on that are signed up. That fucked me up because I accidentally hit my keyboard right as low res's camera fell and it <laughs> felt like i did it i was like oh shit <laughs> yeah she didn't want to be there right at the beginning of the movie and it's then the no only motivation the only time you see her interacting with anyone that seems pleasant is with the uh is he a veteran even or is he just a mechanic i it seems like 
they're sort of try they don't ever do like the blatant like oh he's got a marine corps tattoo or anything right. but that guy's from like i think vikings or something like that he's an irish actor and he played a texan really well like mm-hmm. if you didn't know the dude like it was a serviceable accent and everything but like he's like gun guy and everything so he's either just like classic texan dude but it sort of feels like they're setting up that he's kind of like a vet guy they just don't come out and blatantly say anything about it but uh like he has the trappings of like drifter vet living in a like mechanics bay it's but the uh, the final girl doesn't really go through many things or or even many of the deaths like she's not there to experience them she's kind of off screen which is why it feels so unearned when she's the one that survives at the end Uh, a lot of the things that happen inside of the house or does does she do anything in the house other than the final scene where for whatever reason they overpower Leatherface? I don't think so, right? I don't think she's in the house that's, at all. That's the thing where when Lores, when you texted me and were like, is it better than 3D? I was like, yeah, I think I said like, yeah, but not by much because it was like up until the very end, 3D gets right, like, the one thing that, like, if you want to strip away everything and say, like, there is a through line to all these movies is, like, uh, there's, whether you want to call her a final girl or whatever, it almost is the anti-final girl in the original, too, when you, I really think about it now, is, like, Sally isn't really a final girl. She almost doesn't really overcome anything, she fucking snaps and runs out of a building screaming and basically never looks back and just like keeps on running, which is why it makes no sense that she's like, I'm going to stop running now. But uh, <laughs> like the one through line is like this consistent torment of like the, the iconography of a woman. And it's not like most other uh, slasher flicks where it's all about like the destruction of the female form. They literally like put a woman on a torture pedestal for 90 minutes. And that's the entire movie is like everyone you love, everyone, you know, anything you are in contact with as of the last 24 hours is about to get eviscerated around you. And if you're lucky, you might make it out yourself, but you are never going to be the same again. And it's like, this movie doesn't really have that like Hans you're completely right like she's not there to witness like 90% of it the one thing is like the massacre and it's like yeah that's a traumatic experience but you set up at the beginning of the movie that this girl got fucking blasted in a school shooting survived it and maybe yeah she's a little bit on like nihilist autopilot but she's like pretty fucking well grounded for someone who got shot like a couple months ago like and it's like i'd say she's a little bit more prepared for an extreme situation like that than a lot of the other fucking people that were caught in that situation and then like what's her what's her little scar supposed to be where she got shot yeah that's the bullet that's what i mean it's like on her neckline (laughs) on her neckline when they're in the car talking to the cops at the beginning of the movie and you can see it above her collarbone and then when she's talking to the like mechanic drifter guy it's below her collarbone. I'm like, did she get shot twice? Well, I was like, that's very, like, that's very weird self-harm. I was like, is she like yeah. burning herself <laughs> with cigarettes? Yeah, I was with like, a, what the fuck with is she a doing? 90s car lighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he looked like 
said, it didn't look like a bullet hole or like a bullet wound or anything. He looked yeah. like someone burned her with something. Well, yeah, the twenty, the twenty, they're back to twenty million dollars for the producers to snort. Evidently, <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you guys something. Uh, it seems like there's not really a proper way to correct this franchise or at least they they're not giving it to the right Dude, person give me give that. me five hundred thousand dollars in like a month <laughs> like it's insane well, do you think that so ty west new movie Ooh. x which seems and i've heard that this x movie is essentially just a ripoff of that original original texas chainsaw massacre that I, I i that's someone who read the script who handled the script told me that um do you think that there is an opportunity maybe if this film X is successful, that it can have an effect on the Texas Chainsaw series where suddenly they'll go, well, maybe we can do something with this. Maybe we can make a little bit of money if we just put the right people behind the camera. Yeah, I mean, they always chase trends. So if that movie does good, they'll definitely be like, oh, how can we apply this to our our licenses? I think that movie looks like that shitty M. Night Shyamalan movie. What is it? The Visit or whatever with the old people. Mm, uh, yeah. I think it looks like that with like a porno element. Like yeah, gonna, I, I watched that trailer. Somebody's going to accidentally fuck that old lady and I am all <laughs> set on this movie. I watched that trailer and I was like, all right, Ty West is back. It's got, what, is it A24 or is it Blumhouse? It's one of those two. And I then know, I watched man. the trailer and I was like, oh, no. I can't tell if it's shot on film or if it's like that iMovie filter. Like, uh, oh boy, they're they, doing um, that Super Eight framing, and I'm thinking it might actually be like Super Sixteen framing. But I was like, God damn, man! Uh, it always sounds like a cool idea, and I'm like, I think in my head, like, man, every movie should look like that. And then you see movies just do it for like random scenes here and there, and not throughout the film. And they don't know how to do it. That's the thing too. Is I have seen people shooting on digital add those effects in very well, which doesn't take much. All it takes is like a proper scan of a real film grain and some whatever you're working with. And even in Grindhouse, the I mean. I, I don't want to say it the across the board. Effects. Yes, you can. You can see. Yeah, right. You can see it on a loop, and people just don't know how to factor that in and use it appropriately. They either go a little too wishy washy with it, where they don't want to commit to you know fucking up the the film itself um, by leaning into that. They want a clean image, and then they'll add on like uh, dust or whatever might be popping up on the frame or a little bit of grain and it doesn't look right. So they, they, they wind up not committing to it and try to exist in the middle and fuck it up the whole way through. But Hans, can you, can you play the trailer to X and don't put, cause we have been having so many issues lately with this program where there are clips now just missing. Cause I don't want to deal with it. Cause it says we can't show it worldwide. No we music. did Purple Lamborghini. I I said it as a joke on the show. The Jared Leto music video from After Suicide. Holy shit! We we played that. I said, all right. So now we're blocked worldwide. It was literally just blocked worldwide. No one's going to see that video. It's just it's gone now. It's clipped. We out, got so. we got hit with that with the the Big Trouble song from Big Trouble in Little China. You ever seen that banger? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, dude. We we played it like back to back on the show, and we were trying to do commentary well laughing hysterically and it was like the first claim we got on youtube where it was like you have to take this completely the fuck off the internet <laughs> like, there was audio. no like 
yeah there's no like mute the audio nothing like it's like john carpenter has a claim on that to just like wipe it from the universe he doesn't want people to see him dancing in that video oh all right Hans, you've got the, the trailer here um so we'll we'll just observe this new trailer for Ty West. By the way, I watched In a Valley of Violence recently, and that was much better than I remembered it being. Uh, would have been a very good swan song if he decided to stay away. But instead we have this. And it's A24, so you expect a level of quality, I suppose. But anything with Kid Cudi in it, it's usually going to be a big old piece of shit. It's usually going to be fucking horrible. It looks kind of cheap, doesn't it? It's going to be so funny if it really is just Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, this is like what horror has become and what the problem is for me is it's become like really weirdly incestuous where it's like you can like, there's like the whole like people have been spinning the like Tarantino art of aping shit for years. And it's like, yeah, that's been going on forever. And that's what film and creating shit is. Mm-hmm. But like, there's this strange need to do it with like your immediate peers. It feels like, isn't that well, the fucking kid from the evil dead remake too? Maybe um, what Tarantino does Spooky usually book? is, you know, he'll either draw upon something that's because his taste is honestly not even that good. He's mentioned no, it's before, like he's, mine. <laughs> he, I, I've listened to him on podcasts and he will wax poetic about some obscure film from the early 70s. I'm like, the I Dragon have to Ball watch film. That. I got to check out this movie and then I'll watch it and I'll be like, how how is this man, this genius, a fan of this movie? How could he ever be and that's what he does. He he sees things, he plucks it, he rearranges it, and it's usually not something that is so popular. But here's the thing. We have like a thousand films that exist currently in the general vocabulary of, of creatives. And Texas Chainsaw is one of them. And every film you can think, Terminator 2, you wind up drawing from these big pop culture landmarks and we wind up getting a whole lot of imitation films that are intended as homages, but really just reek of, I want to do my Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And Homogenization. They, they, can't le- they can't land it well enough. Or do anything so I, that, that veers too, too, too different from what came before, and it's a problem. Makes it makes, makes for forgettable filmmaking. That's what I told you with the, the one I just finished writing. I was like, I sort of had that in my head the whole time just for like a like a tonal idea of like what I imagine in my head, this, this faraway place that doesn't exist is uh, a grimy, gross 70s that never really existed in the first place. But it was like, I don't want to... I don't want to retread that story. It's not a bunch of teenagers in a van going to get killed off one by one. It's like completely its own thing. But I wanted to like that in my head helps me to make a, a disgusting movie, which is essentially what I wanted to do. I wanted to write something angry and violent that uh like makes you feel like you need to shower after you watch it like i have friends that literally like started to watch the original texas chainsaw massacre and not been able to get through it which i'm like that's an old ass movie and i like can't think of shit like that like 
I will suffer through anything, even if it's turbo violent. But I'm like, I know people that like can't get through horror movies like that. I'm like, I want more of that in the world. Like it would be insane to make something where people were like, Oh no, that was so disturbing. And like, uh, almost like just grounded enough to, to feel real, but still like flirting with like surreal levels of like, just demented shit like uh, there's still things i i i don't realize or remember about the original texas chainsaw massacre until i'm i'm watching it again like uh like all of the early movies really like uh, i think in the sawyer house one of the walls I, I think it might be the the room where they eat there's like uh like car keys pinned to all the walls like hundreds of them you oh, barely yeah. notice them they're just like twinkling on the wall and you can't really tell what they are because the film grain and everything. I think it's the, it's might be the, uh, maybe the third one, the dinner scene that that one's in, but there's one of them and it's like this brilliant shot where you don't really notice what it is. I didn't notice it for the first time until I was watching behind the scenes footage. And this was in like all the, the documentary stuff I've been looking up and everything. I'll see if I can find it again and send it to you guys afterwards. But uh yeah it's just like car keys all over the wall it's never like mentioned or anything like that you've seen it in movies where they're like towing away cars and shit like that it's it's a common thing in it but it's like that little bit of like uh like visual storytelling it's not a, a line of dialogue or anything like that there's not really a lot of that in movies anymore this movie doesn't really have that like silent visual storytelling the little bit they try to do with that with set dressing early on in the house they just blatantly linger on that picture of the like face scratched out young leather face showing up at the orphanage, which I think in the timeline of this new movie was like the year after the original massacre or like right after the original massacre or something like that. Well, so Hans, like- you were saying that Leatherface was rather sloppy in trying to go after those two girls. So if we if we line up the timeline here, shouldn't Leatherface be about 70 years old or something along those lines i guess but yeah if he's if he's like 18 years old in the original in 74 and that's being very generous is that that's an 18 year old boy that's leatherface um hmm i don't know I don't, I don't know if it lines up uh appropriately but yeah it's almost it's almost 50 years later like uh I mean, he's like at, at least like 65. I think it said he was supposed to be like 65 in this when I read like the press kit for it. So it's like, that's what I mean. Like you get that one like real limber sprint from him. But other than that, he's sort of just like kind of like a ghostly, almost more Jason Voorhees character. Like if he can close the gap on you, he's going to like destroy you. Uh, mm. which was never really like the the idea I had of him. Just what I was like, it's kind of like a direct sequel to the original, but then feels like it kind of rips a lot of the like extreme violence from the Michael Bay one uh, and the, the sequels that followed the Michael Bay one, where those were just like, they were just trying to be splatter movies and they figured out a way to like make the gore with CG, make the movies for super cheap and like turn a slight profit on them did you guys like is, the mask no the mask in this no it's really was, lazy oh 
it, I said it on Twitter. It felt very Slipknot. It, it, yeah, it sucks. It's it, like, it looks wet and just messy, and it's not. Uh, it looks it, it, bald. He looks like he's balding. It's terrible. It's not intimidating at all. And no, I think that I think the goofiest mask is probably either second or third. Because in, in the third one, he looks very uh, like feminine-ish at times. Well, he's the first he, time. You, do you mean the the next generation with uh, McConaughey, where he's literally like a cross dresser? Yeah, he's got like the cross dress no, and like the... full makeup. Because this one kind of throws back to that one a little bit. Or are you talking about the Vigo one where he, like, I think he puts on a lady one at one point. Let me show you because. Uh... Yeah, there's so many of them. I remember uh, see, seeing them, and I was like, oh, this mask looks like shit. No, uh, it kind of looks like a lady, <laughs> but not in a good way. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this is the, like, that zombie. Is, isn't that Aunt Jackie on Roseanne? <laughs> that is, yeah, that's terrible. Uh, but then the new one. Uh, uh, see it's just, like, melted crayon. Oh, great. Mm. I'm not gonna forget. Yeah, it's just like it's just melting, but then it's also like bald because every other mask has hair on the forehead, so it's not just like a like a long hairline. In this one, yeah. Leatherface just feels like like yeah, like he's melting, like like a Toxic Avenger ish. Yeah, when he know? came in because <laughs> it was raining outside. When he came in, me and my girlfriend were watching this. I, he's got his head tilted to the side, and I just looked at her and was like it's wet out and she fucking <laughs> lost it because we were both already like completely checked out on this movie and then he just chainsaws the asian guy but like yeah it's that one cool shot of him is that end shot that you just saw where he's all like caked in the blood gel and the hair is hanging down in the front it's like you should have framed him looking like that the entire fucking time because it looks way better than when the hair is thrown back and it just looks like a bald melting old guy head like yeah, uh, I, I think the the remake probably has the best looking Leatherface. The remake has such a fucking menacing look to it, and the way they hit it with light. That shot you were just hovering over, where it's just like his eyes in black, and you can only see like right here on his head. Well, the physicality of it too. I think that's where he feels the most massive. Uh, they and and uh, when he's wearing it, that that uh, what is it, Eric something's face? Is it yes. before? Yeah, right. yeah, that shot, dude, when he turns around and looks at Jessica <laughs> yeah. Biel. And what I love about that movie, I, I just rewatched that recently, and that's almost, it almost feels like Michael Bay's, like, fuck you to women. That movie is almost like a toxic femininity movie. Go back and watch it. Literally everything bad that happens is because of the women reinforcing their decisions to, like, <laughs> stay, wait for the cops. They're like, no, fuck this. Let's get out of here with our weed. Fuck this dead girl. No one cares. No one's going to know we were here. It's the fucking 70s. We need to get the fuck out of here. And the girls are like, <laughs> yeah. we need to do the right thing. You they guys have are parents. shitty. <laughs> yeah, they have yeah, parents. Like, they don't want to. And, and uh, everything happens because of her, too. Because if she didn't kill herself, every, like they would have. Dude, yeah. every decision that like leads them to their demise is a woman's decision or a dude trying to look good for a woman that's the whole thing and what i love about it was re-watching it i'm like holy shit michael bay you're you're like off the chain dude and then <laughs> that scene he turns around and looks at her wearing her boyfriend's face 
Jessica Beale, she doesn't look horrified. Like she has a look on her face, like this is my fault. Like just absolutely defeated and obliterated. And she like climbs out the back window of the car that the girl blew her fucking brains out and just like takes off running. I was like, whoa, I did not pick up on that the first time in the movie. It's like <laughs> in that moment, she realizes like, we're all here dying right now because I made a bunch of fucking stupid decisions. Like we should have just gone home and got high. <laughs> like it's, it's crazy. Like there's a whole added layer and that like, I think the only like weird side to that is that like last five minutes where she's like becomes the empowered, empowered woman and hacks his arm off. I was like, it would, I think it would almost be better if she just like snuck off with the baby and disappeared into the night. Uh, but like, I think they wanted to just go for something like turbo violent over the top. And then they realized afterwards they screwed themselves because it was a huge fucking hit and people wanted another one and they had to do a prequel because Leatherface was missing an arm. Was that the only remake from that time that was like a bona fide hit? I know the the Rob Zombie Halloween. Actually, uh, didn't we look that it, up? And it, it, it made its budget back or something, but it didn't do crazy numbers. Friday the 13th, I think, did well. And maybe yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Friday but... the 13th did well. I think Nightmare is the one that did the worst. I think that's yeah. also one of the latest ones in that like wave of reboots. That was the last one. The worst one. one. The yeah, worst I think, one too. The worst, well, I think that absolutely. was like the the attrition of it all is like this stuff comes in waves and like I think Scream is smart because at that point, uh, that was around the time they did uh, what was it four, and they mm-hmm. actually like kind of had something to say again, which is like the only time you should really do a Scream movie if you're gonna do them. I haven't seen the new one yet, but that's why I was like worried about it because I'm like, what the fuck are they gonna like? What are we getting into now? Oh wow! <laughs> well, the the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, remake made 117 million uh, well, out of 30 million budget. That's they the still thing, chose though, is... not to follow it up with anything. That's crazy. It's and... it's a thing though where like they don't really ever clump in. Like depends on the studio, but they're not necessarily clumping in what they're spending on marketing and stuff like that. Mm. So. Normally, if a movie, I I talked to a a friend who works in the industry who actually worked on Simpsons for a while, and it was like uh, his experience in film was fucking uh, like if stuff wasn't making like five to ten times its budget back, like most thing, it's not like a success to them because they're putting a lot of money into just the budget of actually making the movie and then marketing and all of this other stuff, if it's a bigger property. That's why I think a lot of stuff now, they're, I think studios are thrilled about the streaming services because they feel like they don't really have to market anymore. It's just going to be like a, a placard on coming soon on Netflix or Hulu or whatever the fuck it is. And like it'll it'll make them their money if they can sell it to that platform and then they'll recycle it and sell it to other platforms. That's why I'm like, worried about where film is going right now but horror has always been this thing where it's like if you keep your 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 budget reasonable and down low and your expectations reasonable like why blumhouse is so fucking big now was they were like hey we can make a movie for like five hundred thousand to a million dollars and it's gonna make easy 10 million uh if not 20 million, like they make those purge movies. The purge movies are like printing fucking money. Now it's insane. Like, and like a lot of these movies, you 
like everybody's always talking about like this this texas chainsaw massacre a lot of the reviews are defending it as like oh people are complaining that it doesn't feel like a texas chainsaw massacre that means they they subverted your expectations that's a good thing like like i'm a fucking idiot for not liking it but uh like it's you expect a lot of what you're getting out of these like franchise horror movies right now like the purge movie you know exactly what the fuck you're getting into with every one of them there's not really surprises and i miss that there's not like i don't i don't know like auteur fucking directors whatever the fuck you want to call it like there doesn't seem to exist those anymore in horror and all of it is like just become like everybody's fucking jerking dicks to get an a24 deal and all of that is like just as fucking boring to me for the most part and you have mike mike flanagan right that's the closest thing it's mike flanagan's (laughs) just like his own fucking a24 studio of bullshit like where everything like and i love a good like this movie's all vibes man but it's like fuck man when this whole studio's all vibes i want to put a gun in my mouth <laughs> like it's, it's bad weird. when surprising me is making a linear movie one fucking time <laughs> i'm really surprised at those remakes that they started uh making in the early 2000s didn't fail because the no it, texas it, chainsaw one it made a hundred million uh I'm the friday guys, the 13th one they made 92 million out of uh, 19 million budget so they were all success at least without taking the you know marketing aspect uh, you gotta consideration, really but... fuck around to not make money with a horror movie like if if it's competent and you can get it released in theaters people will go see it because there's just something about that base instinct of people like being scared that's why when there's a like same thing with people people love to fucking laugh so when there's a big fucking comedy out where everybody is like agreeably like holy shit this is a funny movie and it's not just like we paid variety to say will ferrell's hilarious like like a actual genuine comedy like everybody fucking races out to see it because people like to be scared and they like to fucking laugh and if a, a horror movie can be entertaining and genuinely scare the shit out of you people will go see it quite a few times like, what, do you, what do you think I'm, the problem is then? Do you think they're just overthinking what they want to do with the franchise? And I honestly think this movie would have made trigger? a fuckload of money in the theaters. I'm, I like, even with how bad it is, this movie probably still would have made like 50, 60 million in theaters. And that's all, like, think of it this way. If we, if we got, if somehow we got investors to give us $20 million and we just made an indie horror movie, released it, and and made 60 million dollars off of it and we had to pay you know uh 30 million back to the people that gave us the 20 million would you think that's a failure no i i would i would be uh i would be over the moon at yeah being a 30 to, like, fucking uh, millionaire pinhead origins or whatever we're gonna go shoot <laughs> yeah dude like fucking jesus it's it's fucking insane like uh, there's there's a lot of instances during COVID where uh, like indie guys and horror productions made really fucking good money just cranking out something quick and getting out to entertain people when people were desperate for fucking any shred of entertainment. The film equivalent of like 
the pulp boom during the Great Depression. It's literally fucking schlock getting churned out. There's a chance with all of it happening, there might be some diamonds in the, the fucking mud, but like for the most part, it was just shit coming out. There's one called like the Wretched or something. I think these guys made it for like $30,000, got it into a couple of theaters. Uh, they were number one in the box office for like two weeks running because they were the only movie in theaters and no one could go see uh, movies, but they paid to rent the entire theater out. So uh, they rented theaters for the whole day and it just clocked the ticket sales for every seat in the theater as if there were people in them. So they were the, the number one movie for like two or three weeks running, got the attention of a bunch of fucking big producers and investors and shit and got a deal to make movies with some fucking company like it's it's insane but like there are guys that realize the potential in it and are are at least trying cool things with it and trying to to make some money off of it well there's this uh, hopefully reinvest it his name is uh his name is nigel bach i don't know if you've heard of him hans you want to just pull up some of the work of nigel Bach? i think this dude has made a killer Jesus. Uh, he's got a new movie out, I believe, that, what was it, Broken Glass Productions or Breaking I Glass know, Productions is, dude, is releasing? Is. So yes, I'm sir. very it's called, uh, excited uh, about this uh, one. He's kind of like the indie Mike Flanagan. You know? Oh, yeah. Hold on. Does he called, do like a uh, series of movies? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, that's what he's oh, known yeah. for primarily. He did an animated series for what are they one called episode. Again? Uh, classics okay. is what they're called. Yeah, oh, that's... yeah, Ben. That is the guy I'm thinking of. I was like, why does that sound so familiar? Can I play audio on this one? Yeah, I don't think well I don't I don't think we have to worry about this one. <laughs> worry about this. I'm sure I'm audio. sure he's stoked for any press. <laughs> we tried getting him on Civic one time. It almost worked. I think we got an email from him. That was that was the extent of it. He was a little so too he, late. He writes, directs, stars, and edits. He's uh, got to assume just everyone that hits him up is trolling him. Last will and testament of Tom Riley. That that voice, man. Tom Riley's kind of like a Van Helsing character in this series. I think that shot of the house has been used on everyone. I'm pretty sure (laughs) one night when I was really drunk, I watched a couple of these. And I think Jeff is a fan of all of these, unironically. They're great, dude. They're so much fun when you're intoxicated. (laughs) Yeah, I think I've only ever seen these drunk. I watched like... Oh, wow. You got a Harlequin there? I don't think I've seen this trailer. You know what, though? I guarantee you this guy's probably turning a little bit of a profit in the pipeline he's oh, yeah. got going. Yeah, he definitely is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I would well, genuinely he's... love to get like get that dude on. That would probably be a really interesting interview to just, like, pick his brain and find out how it works for him. Well, just imagine shooting, what, six, seven movies in the same house? That, dude, that without... wasn't... You that wasn't even... a terrible fucking reverse knife gag. Like, why you didn't? You, do you like this that one, though? <laughs> hey, that's on par with the that door in this new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So he's done. Did you guys know just that when he slashes Whoa. the black guy in the kitchen? I know. The, no. the door the looks like it. The door looks like it's CGI. I just love that pumpkin throw. I think it's very natural. It's very dodgeball. <laughs> and the smoke coming out of the the back of the 
Oh goddamn! That was very uh, was it War Hunt? <laughs> it was very uh, Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark from the nineties. I gotta watch shit like this before I go out and do my own thing, and then I won't feel so bad. Bad, benign? bad, benign. What? Is, wow, that's an interesting title. So, yeah. What is it? What is? What? What do you mean? Bad, well, bad, malignant was already taken. <laughs> ah. Well, let me, let me tell you what the synopsis uh, says. It says uh, Tom Riley wanders out of the woods behind his home on Stillmanville Road and must climb through the window to get inside. He's baffled by objects in the house that aren't his, things moving on their own, and soon finds himself dealing with evil forces that cause him to rely on the help of others to try and figure out once and for all how to rid the house of evil, including the most powerful demon he has ever faced. I think that's the setup for every one of them. <laughs> just uh, the demon part of the end may be different, but everything else is just, yeah, he's in his house and things move. And... His bald head cracks open at the end and he finds <laughs> out he has a vestigial twin living in it. There's a, a Bad Ben pandemic that came out in 2020, very timely. Uh, mm, and then you, ha- you have the, uh, I don't know what, the Crescent Moon Clown. Are you familiar with that? I think this is, he tried to do like a shared universe of, so he did a, oh, a spinoff yeah, with a yeah. reporter couple that had nothing to do with him, but then he shoehorned himself in at the end as like an Easter egg. Um, and then he tried to do that film and it was going to be building this universe of creatures or whatever. And uh, it did not work out so well. well the we got to make. The pandemic one seems to be a Zoom movie. Uh, so Zoom I don't know movie? if you guys who want to see the trailer for that. Yeah, why not? Uh, Let's take like a look at all... those guys. Let's, Let's figure out how to get distribution and make the cheapest <laughs> horror movie ever made. Well, it's another Breaking Glass Pictures production. You think we can make a movie cheaper than this guy? Oh, yeah. I Well, I mean, look, the budget on Mass... If we didn't get that fundraiser for Mass State Lottery, it probably would have been the same exact budget at any of these later Bad Ben films, is my guess. Uh, this guy, he would just prop up GoPros in the corner of the room and then shoot himself and then hit pause and redo takes. So if you take a look at that first Bad Ben especially, I think it's a lot of like four to six minute long takes without any cutting at all. And it's just him running room to room to shoot himself. Do you think those are fiber people? No, I think these are. I think he put up a prompt and said, "If you want to be in the new Bad Ben," and people okay. emailed their videos to him. Why is there an echo? What's going on here? It's the audio. Okay, so it's like an anthology film. <laughs> Definitely paranormal event. <laughs> I'm drunk. I thought this was Vic DiBetetto popping in on Bad Ben. <laughs> you imagine this guy's just like this is he's the he's the new member of the Pussy Posse. This guy is just slamming ass. Tom Riley's smashing Philadelphia puss. <laughs> Do you think he's gotten laid from these Bad Ben movies? Dude, Bad Ben is clapping cheeks constantly. <laughs> this guy fucks. Uh, I yeah. fuck. <laughs> For sure. So is that part of the 
the mainline franchise or are they doing like the video game <laughs> thing where it's bad Ben pandemic, but that's its own thing. That's not yeah, sad. that's the reboot. Well, it says that it's just uh, the Tom Riley character offering his services for people to try to determine. So it's, a, it, it's not even a movie. Activity. It's really, it's, no, it's yeah. him responding to people. It's a reaction video. It's a reaction video. <laughs> a reaction hour and a half video. monetized a reaction video <laughs> on Amazon. Slam dunk. It's great because yeah, you, you can you can take a look at it because we were watching all the trailers when uh, we were uh, camped out at the BNB back in 2020, back in March 2020, and it was like, wow, he's done eight of these movies, and it's like, well, yeah, he's putting out two a year, so you get a new trailer Dude. drop in April and then in November. Of you think Band. about it though, where there's a similarity with that like streaming service stuff and like comic books and everything. If you're like consistently releasing stuff. And that's like, what is it, film threat and all that shit on YouTube? That's like what they talk about a lot of times is if you're consistently putting shit out and licensing it to these different streaming services and stuff, it's like a screenwriter just optioning a bunch of scripts like on cycle and like your shit is a screenwriter might never get made, but you're making money off of these options left and right. And that's like how Stephen King sustains himself when book sales aren't good. Like that's what he always said was selling options like kept him afloat and uh like if you're releasing a bunch of shitty movies but they're getting on the streaming platforms and stuff like eventually that shit's gotta start adding up somewhere like especially if you're basically got zero overhead and you're like shooting them in your house and people are even watching them ironically to make videos on them and stuff is like Who's really the idiot in that? Because I've seen tons of people fucking watch this guy's videos and do like yeah. reviews on them and shit like that. He gets plenty of free press and people actually watch his stuff. So it like puts metrics on these places that host his fucking movies. So uh, you got to get him in the mix on something. One of these future productions has yeah. to feature old Tom. Right? Put him in. What a is his actual movie? Nigel Bach? Yeah, I don't know. We could we could figure out something to do with him. I think. Just the uh, crime boss at the end of the movie. Everybody's <laughs> been talking about this guy for 90 minutes. He's getting people whacked left and right. And then it's this motherfucker. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we're, we're now past the two-hour mark. Let's wrap up this show. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. Would you recommend this film, fellas? Hans, we'll start with you. He's having a thing. No. He really has to debate. No, oh. no, no, no. I'm trying no. to think who would enjoy this. I think people that are enjoying this are people that are, and uh, I might be uh, this sometimes, but just contrarians that want to go against the narrative of the fact that this is a piece of shit. Same with Matrix, uh, you know, where it's like, well, no, we have to go against what most people are saying, and this one was just bad. I, uh, I well, think, I think a that, of... that makes itself most obvious in, in the instance of films like this where it, it seems so overwhelmingly inept yeah. that any sort of defense of it reads as, well, you're just kind of tired of the whatever the mainstream, which I understand, but this isn't the place for that. No, and this is not a non-mainstream movie either. It doesn't do anything different than any horror, any generic horror movie would come out with in the past 10 years you know the the only thing about this movie that's sexist chainsaw is that it has a, a big dumbass with a with a mask and a chainsaw everything else feels like 
any movie that came out in the past 10 years. So no, sucks. <laughs> what about you, Spencer? You, you seem to be negative about it, but it seems like there are things about it you, you maybe appreciate or yeah. are at least entertained by. Uh, the, the progressive wieners that will fucking praise this movie are fucking too dumb to realize that this movie is essentially calling them the bad guys as well. Yeah. Uh, which I think is an interesting angle. Uh, it was poorly executed all around. Uh, I think it could have been done really well because this is, dude is a native Native American director who, from what I gathered, I think grew up on a reserve. So it's like you have that that outsider like background. It could have been really fucking interesting, and you could have played up like these kids are really shitty, but that that effectively doesn't come through really at any point throughout it but if you're like a like a mindless gorehound which again a lot of the a lot of the horror community is that's why a lot of this shit is like nine times out of ten a surefire bet that rant and i just went on like so if you're like a, a gorehound there's a couple like really quick like cool scenes if cgi doesn't bother you uh it's all kind of really lackluster. I've seen it before and other stuff done way better, but like it's, it's serviceable gore. And I think like the general audience, like Hans was saying, it feels like a very mainstream movie. Like that's why I think a people, a lot of people think it's so easy to just write it off and be like, Oh yeah, Netflix made a, a shitty Texas chainsaw, even though Netflix had virtually nothing to do with the production. They just acquired it after the fact. But uh, it just it's it feels like any other slasher movie with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre name slapped on on the end. And for that, I'm like, I like I wouldn't recommend anyone watch it. It kind of just feels like a waste of time. But it's also only 73 minutes. So you're not wasting that much time if you want to sit through it. Uh, It's just nothing where you're going to be like remembering it even maybe a week from now like i struggled to really remember a lot of shit until you guys would bring something up like uh there's the few things that bothered me like really bad and past that it's like this is gonna blur in with all the other sequels that i hate now yeah i i think you accurately described it as just being like mildly better than texas chainsaw 3d that's about right as far as and, and in terms of memorability, uh, I think Texas Chainsaw 3 is completely forgettable, and this is just an inch away from that. And that I one it, was sold on her hotness. That's the whole yeah, yeah, marketing yeah. was like, damn, this girl's fine. Well, you this didn't is, even get them here, though. No, you, you don't. Get... You get a, the ugly eighth grade girl who looks yeah, even yeah. like just as weird as wearing... before a wig or something her hair looks her sister who looks like she's mixed race or something who's just not like remotely similar looking to her at all adopted perhaps i don't know he's <laughs> it's just it's a mess this is probably the worst movie i've seen this year uh to be honest with you and maybe that that might even include older films predating 2022 this is truly horrendous yeah. um didn't enjoy it the best thing i can say about it is that it was short so I, I ranted a little bit about this on on the last episode we did for Batman Begins because my audio was fucked and I had to make – I wanted to throw in a 30-minute opening where I was just talking about the films I've seen this year. This is downright terrible. So um, 
Anyway, Spencer, thank you for for coming on the show tonight to talk about this horrendous piece of shit. Maybe we'll be able to talk <laughs> yeah. about something that's that's good next time. Yeah. Wait, um, before we go, before we go, uh, yes. so if you were to recommend uh, the Texas Chainsaw mo- movies that are still watchable or still worth watching, uh, would it be one, two, and then the one from two thousand three? Because I think that will be my list. I, I like Ooh. the first I I said the first three earlier because I was mixing yeah. it up. I always think next generation came before three, but I honestly like those first three for different reasons. Next generation is still fun. They're all like those early sequels are all entertaining movies on their own. They have like I think it's the next generation has like a big TNA scene with this lady just whipping out her giant titties. So it's like it hits all these marks of like the like classic 80s horror movies with boobs coming out of nowhere lots of gore there's some extended cuts like we were talking about earlier that definitely fix a lot of the problems with these so if you've never seen those i think the the first four are like really worth checking out and then definitely that sequel but uh they all all have their pitfalls and then everything after that that michael bay reboot not sequel uh is like a shit show yeah i i was never a fan of the next generation when it originally came out because for whatever reason just when i was 11 years old i was not into drag queen uh leatherface that really bothered me it makes you really yeah i i i but i have uh since uh grown in appreciation for that film that seems to be the big uh not contrarian but like film twitter opinion which is that oh actually this is maybe the best sequel Maybe, I, th- I don't know. I it, think it, that one's really uncomfortable too. And a lot of people say that's, that's one of the best sequels. Cause I think that's a place where like it, like you said, it made you uncomfortable as a kid. It's like Leatherface kind of finally like assuming a feminine role and it's mm-hmm. really fucking uncomfortable, but that's effective for a horror movie. It's like, you might not like the characters. You're probably not supposed to in a horror movie, but like, uh, that that's a good thing but uh it's also they're consistent they're just really fucking over the top in that one yeah so i i mean it really depends on what your priorities are i think if you're a horror fan essentially what spencer said you can't go wrong with those first four movies and then obviously the michael bay produced remake then right sure yeah yeah i guess technically yeah because i would say if you're just a fan of movies you can probably do without all of them except the first one and the 2003 remake. That would be my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's my my harsher film critic opinion. But I mean, I I think there's things that there's there are aspects to be valued in that third Leatherface movie with Ken Forey, and uh, I mean certainly two is an extremely memorable horror film and horror sequel. So yeah. uh, I don't think you can really go wrong. Definitely a lot of fun to be had in all of them. All right, fellas. All right, this has been a very good chat about the. The, this movie did not really deserve two hours about it. No. And we were pretty good about staying on topic this show. Unfortunately, yeah. maybe. Uh, too generous. Way too generous. <laughs> but that has been movies for this week. Thank you for listening. Pa- oh, Patriot. I did not plug anything at all. Surfshark VPN. No. Uh, <laughs> deals slash Lores. Patreon.com slash Lores. Thank on, you for hold listening. On. Oh, wait, hold what, on, what? No, no, wait. Do you see that someone complain about how we did an ad in one of the videos? Because no, I didn't like, see this. Oh, what? They're like, oh, I don't like how they're pretending that they're, they don't know what the ad is. 
Bill Bird did it better. And I'm reading that comment. I'm just like, no, we literally forget to do the end. So when I brought it up, you had nothing to write. No, just let them think all. that. Let them think there's that much thought put into these episodes yeah. that we're planning this whole Abbott and Costello bit of who's on first, was, who's on second with our fucking advertisers. It was something I remembered in the middle of the episode, and then I just threw it out there, and then Loris had to scramble to find the email oh. where the correct script was, and then someone thought that, oh, no, you guys are doing that on purpose, and that's yeah, kind no, of Yeah, no, it's the lame. Tim Dillon it's thing, like, right? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, that's exactly what we're doing. So, just just yeah. block us. out one of my rants and cut in you doing a Surfshark <laughs> ad, like, in my mouth. <laughs> I don't. I don't even think I gave the correct link on about half the episodes where we've plugged Surfshark VPN. So Surfshark deal slash Lores Patreon com slash Lores five dollar a month level. You're gonna get all the videos, all the audio. Check it out. This that's been movies. Thank you for listening.